0: Welcome back to Kafaro Cast, everyone. We are back in action with the one and only Chris Rowe of RHR. <laughs> 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 you had no plan going had,
1: into that whole thing. I had did you at, I had to look at the hat.
2: <laughs> uh, you have Rowe Hunting Resources and Rowe Ecological, ecological service. Services. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he had no plan going in. He's like, "Here, Frank, just pitch it." He's like, "Um, we have- okay, here we go, head first Our
0: special friend Chris.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is special.
2: I know we we actually did a four hour and nine minute podcast yesterday, and believe it or not, didn't cover everything that we wanted to cover. So we're going to cover more today. Um,
1: I figured if I'm going to be in town, I might as well knock it out. I know, I know,
2: right? Um been a hectic morning i did a podcast with dudley on that backstrap release lots of phone calls coming in frank had to go see the gynecologist what'd they say
0: they said uh framed? level <laughs> they said use plenty of uh what's that cream no i'm just kidding vagisil uh no level three ac joint separation yeah what'd they say for heal up time uh I can do like physical therapy in like two three weeks and then I don't know he said like three months maybe yeah should be back to good to go You're gonna look like Hellboy with a fucking lump in my shoulder yeah. actually he said my uh, mobility was good for that happening like two days ago That's I can mean. lift this I can lift this arm like up to there and up to there so yeah I don't know
2: I've been lucky I've never not never no no shoulder separations no clavicle breaks nothing. Yeah.
0: When it happened I knew something wasn't right. Well, I felt the the crunch none, you hear it. But then I went to like put my weight down on it to stand up and my shoulder like gave like an inch. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> whoops. It didn't used to do that. <laughs> Five minutes ago that wouldn't have moved. <laughs> yeah. Maybe so. I should not do that. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's one thing like is is uh as you get older, I would say, the like um certain things that seem like a good idea when you're younger. I would say mountain biking and skiing would be two on the list. And when I say not mountain biking, trail biking, downhill, right, where you really have the probably a few steps above average of really injuring yourself would be flying downhill.
0: Like I don't mind biking for exercise, but, yeah. I uh, yeah, Dave said he's done it a lot. Oh, I I, I sent him a picture. He's like, yeah, I've done that a lot. Shit, <laughs> yeah. It still hurts me to this day. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. So. Not good. Any
2: injuries for you, Chris?
1: I've been lucky. Like I said, I, I cracked my clavicle when I was a kid, and that's literally it. Um, but what you just said about biking, yeah. So no, I, you're you're absolutely. I I look at the things I did. I look at back now, and I'm like, what? Why? How did I even think that was a good idea? So when we were when I was stationed in Germany, um, you know, you get off at you know get done, get released for the evening and in germany there's plenty of daylight left and so that's all i did is just jumped on a mountain bike and just rode around the you know german countryside and several of us got really involved in mountain biking and just riding and the stupid shit that we would do and i i still remember and i I don't remember this was in germany or it was in washington state but what i remember is what you said going downhill we were just freaking bombing just going and I think it was Germany. There was, a really nice, there was an awesome mountain bike. Well, it wasn't a mountain bike trail, but we treated it as a mountain bike trail. Awesome and come flying. Never wore helmets, you know. I grew up riding a bike. You don't wear a helmet. Not back then. No. Or fl- a seat
2: belt in the yeah. back
1: seat as a kid. Flying down the hill. And here's a rock in the trail that I was like, I'm going to catch awesome air off of this. And all I remember is hitting it and then... I don't even remember what happened in the air. All I remember was the f- the bike hit the ground, and then the only thing I remember after that is this massive crunch, and I'm upside down with my head in the dirt, and just I'm just <laughs> cartwheeling down the hill, and apparently when I landed, my front wheel crossed or, or went sideways or whatever, and I just went right over the handlebars. And I missed my head. Missed a rock that was probably the size of a beach ball, and I mean, I just barely cleared that thing with my noggin because I just did a face plant right in the dirt. And just yeah, I that would have been a that would have been a trip to the old medical <laughs> clinic. Ibuprofen, walk it off. Yeah, Motrin. Yeah, yeah. eight hundred milligram Motrin. Yeah,
2: no, nah, that's no lie. Uh, so, um, yesterday we covered well, we covered a lot more. We covered game cameras, and we covered in Arizona, and we, well, you know what? We talked about
0: the calf um, mortality rate. What's the rules in Nevada on game cameras? You have to take them off in the summer? I don't know in Nevada. Do you know about that? I don't know. Where'd that that come from? I thought that was a law in, in Nevada. You can have them up, but you have to take them off in the summer. I might be wrong. Who knows? Someone asked me about that
1: I was like I don't. Know. Oh, I, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So, yes, yeah, so we were talking about that um I don't really have an uh, obviously it's only been 24 hours. Obviously, and you're probably going to have this, this this these two podcasts are probably going to pop up like 2 months apart. So it's going to be completely <laughs> irrelevant for people to talk about, but um, no, I, I, yesterday when we were talking about the game camera, proposed game camera band in Arizona, the, the buddy of mine had sent me a long email and there was a bunch of information in there, but there was not, there, there wasn't any information in there that was any different than what we were talking about. It was just his kind of philosophy and why he's getting, why he's frustrated with it. And, and there, there are a lot of people frustrated with it, but you know, the one, Question that you had asked is, you know, at the end of the day, what you know does it really matter? What's what's it going to do? What's what's the, um, I guess, what the impact is going to be on hunting yeah, down there? In game, yeah. And I think for me, and what we had talked about before was just to realize, it, I'm very curious. We 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 know what the situation down there is now. We we all know how to play the game as the game is now with game cameras. We we we've kind of figured out how to avoid. Certain areas, if we if we don't want to, you know, jump in the fray with you know combat bow hunting around water holes that have a bunch of game cameras, um, so a lot of us kind of have a, have it figured out. To okay, this is this is how we navigate. The, the question is, is if if the commission or this you know individuals in the in the agency decide, well, it's already a done deal. This is what we're going to do. It's 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 we're just going to shut it completely down. My question is going to be, what are the unintended consequences? and how long of a change, because it is, it's going to, it's going to put, it's going to reset the entire game, so there's going to be some outfitters down there that have become extremely used to sitting water, and that's how they, that's just literally 90% of their whole hunting strategy is to find these big bulls on water, and then go cob a squat and sit water, or maybe they chase a bugle if they figure out that that might be the bull that they want to go after anyway, but most of them are re- relying on that water source. Um, they're not going to be able to, they're probably not going to be able to, to re- rely on that. The, the question I have, though, is, you know, like we talked about, is if you've built your model around hunting water and chasing big bulls, are you just going to set— Or box mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and that's a fair point because you, you had your experience with mule deer. Mine is only with elk. Um, but both, scenari- both uh, species this happens with— um, If you've built your your hunting model around chasing big animals around water, are you going to abandon that and then just learn to to retool? Or are you just going to have a couple more guys and gals out there with eyes? And now, rather than having a game camera sitting at a waterhole, are you going to have 18 new quote-unquote helpers? And (laughs) during prime time, are they going in next to the waterhole or near the waterhole you know, moving in on animals, trying to lay, you know, put eyes on. Is it is it going to create a higher level of essentially what I'd say maybe an artificial uh, increase, or artificially higher level of disturbance? Because people still want the you know the the one percent cream of the crop animals, Um, and that's what they're selling, and they need they feel they need to perform so. Is it going to create unintended consequences that are going to be worse than what the camera uh, circus right now is? I don't know. Time's going to tell. I guess we're going to find out soon.
2: Yeah, and you know, you um, you look at uh, every every place you hunt, whether you know Arizona, we're we're talking about the game cameras and you know how uh, how life works there, and then in the the high country, you've got other the physical ability to get there and 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 pressure things like that and. Um, you know, you hunt. You, every area's got its own twist that you wrap your head around and, and figure out. So, you know, excluding whitetails out of this, obviously, just west Western hunting, not non W You know, much like the wolf. Okay, what is the long term impact and repercussions of introducing a wolf? We know where we're at now, right? We we know we we've got good numbers. We've got some predator issues already. Okay, well, they know where they're at with the game cameras, and like you said. I'm curious to see what is going to happen. Does combat bow hunting turn multiply, you know, yeah. tenfold? Yeah. Does, does it
1: does it does it settle out, or does it just go absolutely apeshit and just just turn ridiculous? Yeah. Do
2: do you have three guys uh, from three different outfitters or, or one local sitting on a waterhole glassing it to see what what comes in? Do you you know do do I mean there's no telling it's in, it's interesting. Um, you know, in in Colorado we don't you know, game cameras aren't an, an issue. I wouldn't say, I mean, I don't, I don't think they are. You don't run into crisis level game camera 14 on one tree or anything, but water isn't as important here. It's yeah. important, but I yeah. mean, there's, there's more water where, you know, the, the, one of the trick tanks I sat was built by the, the fish and wildlife, mm-hmm. Um the work of art, this crazy ass drip thing that f- goes. Oh, they're incredible. The, yeah. That's to help the animal, although we take advantage of that, to shoot the animals over that water, but that's to give more water to, to the animals. You know, you, you look at these different, you know, 400 pounds of mineral poured out and water holes and the game cameras, and you take out the game camera, there's no real reason to, to pour mineral
1: out because you can't get a photo of, unless you're going to sit it anyway. <laughs> Here's the other question. Okay, is it only going to be game camera over water? Yeah. Or is it going to be game camera over minerals as well? Because there's some people saying, "Well, you can." This is this is a, at water holes. Well, or is it? Is it is it over water holes or is it over anything? And, or you or you're not allowed to use the game camera to aid in the taking of of animals? Well, what the hell does that mean? Yeah, you know, I mean, what, what's the time frame on that? So, like you said, if you if you have to pull the you know Frank, if you if you have to pull the game camera and um so, like say August first, it has to be pulled off. Okay. But is that enough? You know, some people are going to say, "Well, that's not enough time," you know, or maybe it's right. I, I don't. I, it, that's the thing. Is I, some of this stuff is my opinion on this is you've got a couple individuals that are hell bent on this is their this is their this is their crusade. Uh, they're 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 gonna they're gonna just go tilt against windmills and we're just gonna charge and you know just fix bayonets and this is this is what I'm going to do and I don't know some of the people that are driving the conversation I don't know are going to be the ones that have to be on the ground enforcing it and so it's going to be an interesting figure to figure out how you're going to enforce if you try to start you know if you just said it's illegal to to run them okay well that's probably a little easier I we can discuss constitutionality on some things but if 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 it's just a blanket ban, then maybe it's easier to enforce than if you sit there and say, well, you know, it's 24 hours, 48 hours before season, two weeks before season, you know.
2: And we talked about it yesterday. I think the only way to do it would it have yeah. to be a blanket ban. Otherwise, it'd be about impossible. And you kept bringing up, you know, devil's advocate type of scenarios. And that's why I'm like, no, I, I agree. Like you, you would have to ban them all because there's when can photographers have them? Yeah. When do you ban them? Um, you know, is it over mineral or just over white? Yeah. that would be a tough. I mean, if, as a game warden rolling up, yeah, you know how to um, dole out the punishments or figure out who's right. I mean, if there's a game camera there, it's illegal. That'd be about the only easy way to do it. But you know what? One of the it started made me think about, um, you know, Arizona problems, but now Colorado. Um, the season this year was later. It, oh it, yeah, started later. As I understand it, what happened with that was there was people complaining or throwing in their two cents that bow hunters wanted more time in the rut. And so that's where the season started later was one of the reasons so we could be in the rut more. At what, you know, to to what end or at at what cost? Well, they shifted mule deer too. So that sucks because mule deer, high country mule deer hunting, I wish it'd start August 15th. Correct. Agreed. Um, So looking at it from three boots on the ground hunters, what I thought would have been cool was archery season for mule deer starts earlier, less pressure all the way around, right? Like, you know, most of the pressure we see when we're back there is elk hunters in a mule deer area. Some people are hunting mule deer, but start mule deer early and finish early. Okay. So Elk starts September first or whatever day, but September mule deer is
1: second in it then not they set it do it on on September second, so it coincides with bear
2: it was it was a Wednesday, I remember that because I never had a season start on a Wednesday in Colorado in my life Yeah, um, no
1: exactly but
2: start mule deer August fifteenth mm-hmm. goes to September fifteenth Elk starts September first or second, whatever sure. uh and goes to the end of the month. that to me would be less pressure on animals um by far because. If you're a mule deer hunter, you're hunting mule deer and you're not really affecting the elk. I mean, a little bit, but not. No, not much.
1: Not much at all. Yeah.
2: And hardcore mule deer hunters get their time and glory um, up in the high country without elk hunters running around and less pressure on the animals. And then those that were worried about that rut season or whatever would would get to hunt elk. And and that would be, we lost a couple days of the season because of this. And I think it was, you know, people complaining they wanted to be more in the rut, my experience, and, and one of the reasons I'm bringing this up with the elk portion of it, later isn't always better for elk. Correct. And sometimes um, for me, and as you know, of course, I wasn't shooting giant bulls, but I like to get up in the high country, above treeline, right at tree treeline, summer feeding patterns. They're just getting a little, you know, testosterone in the nuts. They're calling a little bit. You know, you're not going to have one probably screaming in primetime primo style, but get a little bit of calling and they're unpressured and, you know, easier to kill them. Is that the stereotypical, I would say primo style video, but the, the, what everyone dreams of bull screaming in your face. Well, quite honestly, that doesn't happen that often anymore. It can. No, but exactly. It, it, it certainly, there are times like if Frank and I hunted elk over the counter tag for, let's say we had 10 days. In one of those 10 days, we're going to put enough effort in to find a herd of elk that are in that happy circle of life screaming and if we put enough effort into it, if we move enough to find the herd and get around, that's a lot of it. That's a lot of five, 6,000 calorie burned days, yeah. a lot a, of effort.
1: And a lot of ifs that you put in that sentence. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it will happen if you spend enough time out there and you're not an idiot, and and you, you will and,
1: get in a good situation. And if you're in the right area. Not all areas are created equal, and, and nope. I've, I've <laughs> talked about this on, on the Elk Hunting Institute or the, the elk module on my website. Um, I did some videos for the Elk Collective uh, on my philosophy on just the calling, and that's the thing is, you know, we don't get me wrong. I love a lot of the content that's being put out on YouTube. I think it's, it's making um, hunting videos and experiences more accessible for folks to be able to share in hunts and and people see what's going on. The problem is, you see one thing in one area. Now, I, I, the, you know these these longer, uh, season long series, if you will, you know that that some people put on where it's you know it's the entire you're, you get to watch every day of the entire season. That's a little better because now you get to get the to, to see the context of, of what's going on and and what the reality is. But still. Keep in mind, they're, they're hunting in one place that may or may not be like where you're hunting, and, and it may be a completely different experience, and you can't, and so many people just want to try to cookie-cutter it and say, oh, I saw them do this, so therefore I'm going to do this. You may not even be in the ballpark as far as where you are, and, and I, I agree with you on, so the, the change in the season structure in Colorado just absolutely kicked me in the knots because if I have a client uh, for Arizona— um, that usually that season is usually somewhere in the middle two weeks of September. Sometimes it's the last two weeks of September. But if I've got a client, I'm at least gonna get down there a minimum of a week before the, the hunt starts, so I can just get a little bit of an inventory on where the water, you know, what water holes are, have got what, where the cattle are, uh, that type of deal. So I'm usually gonna be spending a minimum of three weeks in September, you know. Focusing on my client. Well, in the past, um, when the season started, you know, the last Saturday in, in August, well, hell, that would usually give me anywhere from 10 days to more than two weeks to have a hunt for myself, which I absolutely could do. I could roll into Colorado, have my personal elk hunt if it works great, if it doesn't, oh well, and then I just roll right from there down to Arizona. This year, now, so it's going to be very, and that's, it's one of the things where I've, it's going to make me reconsider, you know, how much effort am I going to spend in Colorado? If, do I want to guide in Arizona anymore? I mean, I, I went ahead and got my guides license again this year, but, um, yeah, no, it's it, the, the, the world of unintended consequences or just even not even unintended, but just unforeseen, you didn't think about it, you know, um, can can be big it can be big my original proposal I was actually two things I was actually shocked that Colorado uh, made this season structure change I mean I remember back from early to well hell mid to late 90s all the way through mid to you know late 2000s that I mean there were people wanting to be able to hunt that last week of September for Decades, and it was always a nope, 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 nope. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. We need to provide a rest for the elk. You know, you know, give them protection around the rut and blah blah blah. So, they, you know, and people would always say it was you know to help the elk and in, in their rut, and so they were all bred, and it would help. You know conception rates on on the cows, or or no, we needed to give this a quiet period so that way the elk could come back and relax and get on public land before the rifle hunters did. I mean, there was all these, you know, very elaborate, quote-unquote, well-thought-out reasons why, no, you'll never hunt, you know, archery hunting, you know, bow hunting will never hunt the last week of September because, no, it's, it's just unacceptable. And then all of a sudden, whip, here we, <laughs> we have a complete whole-scale change. I, I kind of liked what you were getting at, but I would have even done something a little different. I would have said split the, you know, maybe not split it, but um, have the early season, archery season, run from August 15th through September 30th and split it into two blocks where you choose which block. You have three weeks. uh, You can choose the, uh, and what is that, 45 days roughly? Yeah. So you can choose a three-week block that is the early. So you can choose, I want the early archery. And you go August 15th to whatever that is, like September 10th or whatever, however that plays out. Or you can choose the late early block. And so you choose the, uh, you know, and and then that
2: that would be beneficial to like, if he and I went on a high country mule deer hunt, we would just throw an elk tag in our pocket.
1: Correct. Or what about those kids that want to go with their, with their parents, you know, their college age kids or high school, and they would like to get in a nice hunt with their family before school starts you know, now, no, I mean, there's a, I, I know for a fact that, that the change absolutely impacted certain families, uh, traditional hunts simply because now their kid is going to be in school and not, you know, not have that opportunity to be out there when the, the timing was right. I, I, it, but then again, and I, and I'm, I'm not trying to get on a. uh, CPW bashing thing But I mean It just always has seemed That the agency Just does not value Bow hunting As much as I think They should And it's not because I look at it from Obviously I'm biased I like bow hunting But bow hunting Is the segment Of the hunting population That seems to be growing That seems to have A passionate interest Yeah Why would we not Want to cater to that
2: Yeah No I agree And and I do think that for some of the newer age, I don't want to say newer age, whatever, the, the people coming into the hunting or the outdoor industry, they seem to, not always, but a lot of them seem to cater towards the more primitive, the bow hunting, compared to rifle hunting for whatever reason. Well, you know, they're, they're a CrossFitter and doing the paleo thing, yeah. and they, they want the protein or, you know, whatever. Of course, it's easy to armchair quarterback it, and, I, and I'm not trying to do that at all. I'm just saying that's what I wanted, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 I'm not yeah, saying that's yeah. the best. That's just, yeah. it, it, and that's because I like hunting high country mule deer, and I like hunting elk, and I would be putting pressure potentially on two totally separate areas, um, you know, and I wouldn't have to deal with the, the elk hunters. And yeah. when I say that, you, Frank was a waste for me, but I had two people that hiked in and set exactly their tents up right where the deer are, right where the mule deer mm-hmm. are. They came in without a tag to see if there were elk there and they were going to hike back out and go buy a tag.
1: So, you know, yeah.
2: public land, I get it, but it really fucked up
1: the elk hunting or the deer hunting. Like, Okay. Well, <laughs> and, and I, it was funny that, you, you know, we, so everybody's listening. We, I texted Aaron last night. I'm like, dude, I, my, my trip here got extended by a day. I'm like I'm headed home tomorrow. I said, do you want to do a knock? on a- I'm in town. Do you want to knock out another one? We're like, yeah. What you asked, you're like, what's the topic today? We're like, I have no idea. Yeah, it's plenty <laughs> however, to talk about. <laughs> however, however, with that being said, what is interesting where you went is that is, if you remember a few weeks ago, I reached out to you and I said, oh, for my podcast, I wanted to have a conversation and, and this is touching on it and diving into it. So let's, let's go with what you just said. A couple things you just said. One, If you had an early season, you know, August 15th to, say, end of August or beginning of September, you would be going after mule deer, and you would be in areas generally where you would not necessarily be impacting elk, Mm -hmm. okay? But you just also said that there was, you know, as this, you know, beginning of September happened, you guys are up there getting, you know, you're doing your mule deer hunt, and some elk hunters came in there. My question to you was this, and what I wanted to explore um, on mine was What are you guys seeing Since you guys are up there so much From all summer And your mule deer hunting And you're in some of these places you're, you're in a lot of different places uh, Across the state You're up there a lot in, As far as different places But also as far as time Just duration And then you got a lot of buddies That you network with That are doing the same thing What are you seeing these days Compared to well, Frank, when did you start really hunting and high country hunting and tagging along with him? How how long ago was that?
2: I think I was technically tagged along with him, to be honest, on the oh, mule, really? on the mule deer hunt.
0: Yeah, I, I in started this, archery in the area hunting. we're talking about archery hunting probably ten years ago or so. Okay,
1: all right, but you've been hunting since hell forever. Yeah, yeah. beginning of two thousand. When when did you end up in Colorado? Ninety nine. Okay, so okay, yep. So fair part, fair point. So these last couple decades. You can pull from a—you and I can pull from a long time ago, but you can pull from a very relevant time window of 10 years. Over these—over time, what have you guys been seeing in the high country? Well, not even—let's let's not even say it high country. Let's just say back country. And the, and the reason why I want to I explore this is because there used to be a very— no, not used to be. There still is. This idea that if you wanted to get into animals— get off the road. You, you got to get away from the road. And it used to be, oh, you need to get a mile off the road. Well, then it, then it became, well, no, you need to get a, a couple miles off the road. Well, I know anecdotally for me and some of my high country areas that I used to hunt, it seemed as though over time I was seeing more people in the backcountry than I was seeing in some of the lower elevation areas.
2: That's from dipshits like me and Frank and Cam and other guys promoting
1: backcountry hunting. I would say, and and and, and I I will agree with that mm. asshole. Uh, <laughs> but I also see I mean, we, we it's a different world. I mean, we've got better backpacks, obviously. We've yeah. got better clothing. We've got better boots. Better we, everything. Just everything. Short, short
2: There's nothing that's not better today. Correct. But even yesterday.
1: It's, I was it's, hunt- <laughs> I was walking up the, the up the hill with my old army fatigues in, you know, the nineties, that's what I was hunting in. Cotton. Cotton was King. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's exactly what are you, ha, have you been seeing more guys, el, you know, say, let's say elk hunters going into places that are messing up mule deer hunts. Are you seeing mule deer hunts, you know, messing up? I don't elk think hunts? I've ever
2: seen a mule deer hunt mess up an elk hunt, but I've definitely had elk hunters fuck up my mule deer hunt. Would you?
0: Yeah. I'd say in the last three to four years, it's it's been more noticeable with hunters, but specifically, I think more so with uh, just backcountry recreation, hikers and campers and stuff. I, I never used to, I very rarely would see hikers um, as far back as we go hunting. But in the last two to three years, I've noticed a lot of hikers. Really? Um,
2: well, you know, peak to peakers. Yeah. Okay. Off trail guys. Okay, and that's right. Um,
1: that we talked about that last time, and I was going to ask you So we're talking off trail recreation rather than on trail. You know, it, it's one thing to have a lot of people on the Colorado Trail. Yeah, but we're, you're talking about just well, random middle of nowhere. Yeah, you go find like a, well,
0: a small pond. Uh, looks like a, a bit of an oasis, and then you you look down there with your spotter, your binos, and you got a, a couple of people camped down there, which is it's off trail. So you know, well and answering your question from where Frank and I or, or Frank's uh, hunts in the
2: high country. And I've tagged along a couple of times to high country. You know, I've hunted, I used to hunt maroon bells. wee manuch e- every Eagle's nest, I, I, all over. Let's just rewind 10 years. Okay. So 10 years ago with my tall buddy, Jay in this, I'll just in the maroon bells went way in, got into elk, killed three elk and a mule deer. I think, um, Mule deer just happened to walk through camp when we were hiking out, and I killed it. We ran into a couple different hunters in that area. Um, Nothing crazy and nothing what I would consider. It was an area that I thought this spot is going to be a a backup plan when I need to jam in. Hard effort, but can get an elk. This spot, will. I was fucking wrong because that area is full of people now. I mean, full, and not just hunters. On the high ridge, you've got the hunter's. On the trail in the valley, you've got hikers, right? And those, the elk, they're, they're, they're not there like they were. Like, I hate to even be talking about this, but opening weekend, there'd be 200 elk above treeline. You know, spot and stalk, you know, a little bit of calling. They're not like that now. And that's because opening day, there's not 100 on the ridgeline. There's 17 on the ridgeline. And there's probably 17 people that were there Causing issues, hikers and hunters both, during their feeder feeding pattern, because you can't tell me as a a hiker, you'd be a liar to say if you were hiking on a trail and spotted elk that you're not going
1: to move closer to those elk. Yeah, a lot of people are going to just move in and try to get a picture.
2: Yeah. So, having said all of that, ten years ago I would have said, I'll just out hike them. I'll just hike farther.
1: That ain't happening now.
2: Not in Colorado. There's not a wilderness big enough, wilderness
1: big enough. You're not going to out hike. Yeah, it. and that's the thing with Colorado. I think what's the what's the what is the furthest one way? I think it was at 14 miles. That's as, that's as far back in as you can get the, without minutes probably that yeah. you get. You know, as soon as you hit there, you're getting closer to a road.
2: Well, we we where I killed my buck last year when I went back in, I got to a point where I was probably closer to another trailhead than I was the one we came in on. Um, so and that's which, which play works. okay,
1: and, th- and that ties into what we talked about before. And, and yes, I mean, you know, like we said before, I, I'm not saying that recreation isn't causing an issue. I, I just I think
2: where we hunt deer, recreation causes more of an issue, I would say, than
0: hunters. Do you think, really? uh, I think from what I've noticed, at least, uh, the availability of like on X maps or base map, that type of stuff has opened up backcountry stuff to more people's eyes because it's, it's easier You can go on. You, so I was thinking about this the other day about coyote hunting, like whatever. When I was 18, I got a 223. I picked up a, a grasslands map and a BLM map and I found all these little sections and I went out and I looked at them and I saw if they're good or not. And I hunted them. Now I go out to the same spots I used to hunt with my buddies from back home and there's fucking people everywhere, man. Yep. And I'm like, how are these people finding this? Well, you pull up on X, you pull up base map and it's all there for you. It's yeah. super easy to get. Whereas well, yeah. back then I used to be able to you, has to, you used to have to go in person and see these spots where now you have all this 3D imagery, which is awesome. It's it's cool to have, but it's also like.
1: Unintended consequence. Yes.
0: So what
2: Frank's saying, which I agree with, is also the navigation portion. Okay. So rewind before when it was just a GPS. How many people did you know just turned it on and thought it was like the compass Jack Correct. Sparrow used? It fucking takes you home. Yeah. It doesn't. Onyx and base map does. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like nothing. Hit track. Walk yeah. up the hill. Turn around. <laughs> yeah. Follow your. Oh, I want to go back. here. And then the Done. arrow points you there. The yeah. whole now within reason, obviously yeah, yeah. You get screwed up. But if you took away range finders, there's going to be a lot more missing, right? Range finders are. If you took away base map, there's going to be a lot less people. And I'm agreeing with Frank in certain areas that they quite honestly don't have the skill set to get to. Base Mac gives them that skill set. Yeah. That's just how life is. I mean, like you said, unattend, unin, unintentional consequences. Say that three times. <laughs> um, well, when you, I would say that, when it, when, and I'm using Frank and I, when we go back, there's two things that I count on. One, physical ability. This is above and beyond animal behavior. We're already into the deer. But other people are too, and ability to outlast them. We can stay, I would say, stay longer than any. I mean, we can just physically tough it out more than most. Not everyone, obviously, sure. but for the most part, a couple of days of getting kicked in the dick, the weekend warriors are gone, and the guys who thought they wanted to be high country mule deer hunters are out of there. Over the course of that first five to seven days, we're probably going to be the only ones maybe on the mountain. And the other ones there are pretty fucking tough. We're not going to be able to out-hike them, right? There's no – you can't hike far enough. So – when you talk about deer, okay, that's easy enough. You're spotting them above tree line or picking whatever. But elk is a totally different story because after that, if the season started late, they're out of their high country feeding patterns. Not all, yeah, yeah, yeah no,
1: no, keep going. Yeah. Mm. My high country area was exactly that. It was literally worthless on those years where this, I mean, we're talking about the old season structure here where, uh, it started the last Saturday in August. If if the last Saturday in August was like the 25th or 24th or 25th or whatever it was, oh, yeah, I am going to high country camp because that gives me about four to maybe five days to capitalize on those animals while they're up in the Alpine. And then it sucks. And then they're, well, they're just gone. Yeah, They're gone. They've act, they make that pre-rep move, and they're gone.
2: So in 2000, what was it, Frank, 14 or 15 when... I killed that bull before the sun came up, and then a couple of days later, Colton killed his.
0: I think it was uh, 15, 15? 16 maybe.
2: So opening, you know, we were in 150 elk opening morning. We actually, when we tried to maneuver over, we, blew, we didn't know the herd was below us in the dark, blew it out. Just They didn't know what we were, just sure. ran up the hill, got over there. There's probably 20 different, 25 different bulls in front of us, a couple big ones. I just shot a three-year-old five-by-five. There was a massive exodus over the next seven days that we were there, from you know hoochie mama right and yeah. all day, what yeah. you know, fucking hunters everywhere, Mew, yeah,
1: Mew, 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 guys watching. Mew, I don't Mew. have
2: an issue with Corey Jacobson, but he bugles a lot. Yeah. Okay, if your school of, of thought is copied off of Elk One Hundred One. You're going to fucking bugle so much, I'll jam that bugle tube up your ass. Right?
1: Well, and and, and yeah. the problem, and I've talked about this too. And again, I, I talk about aggressive tactics versus uh, what I what I teach, and 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 the elk module is the passive. St- Targeted and, and aggressive tactics, and each one has its place. But you know, when you jump into those aggressive tactics, using essentially bugling, you know, there there absolutely can be consequences to your you know what you've done on the landscape. And it does seem, and this is one thing that I'm for 2021. I'm really for the elk content I'm going to be putting on ours is really just driving home the okay. If you if you want to follow the the Corey Jacobson model. Okay, fine, good. Go do it. Watch what Don't he does. Don't fucking
2: do it in my area.
1: No, no. Okay, I, I agree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would rather you not do it in, in my area either. However, it's let let. I got to
2: interrupt you real quick before I get bashed for bashing on Corey. My point with Corey is you're not Corey.
1: Okay, one. number one, you're not Corey. No, and it, it is as far as the realistic sound that you're putting out there. Okay. Yeah. Um. But number not,
2: number two, you're not in the area Corey's hunting. Correct. Would
1: Corey hunt that same
2: strategy and i'm using cory because cory kills yes. elk and he's a world champion elk caller <laughs> yeah. would cory come in where we were and use his same strategy
1: or would he just not go there at all because it's not conducive fair point that's that's a legit okay that was a very fair point that's a legit point because i was going to say yes he's going to use the same strategy but i agree with you no he'd probably just bail he wouldn't yeah. he wouldn't hunt there because that type of animal that and this is why i do respect cory and and you know we have a completely fundamental different philosophy on calling. Absolutely. No, no bones about it, but I will shake his hand in the fact that he's consistent and he's just flat out said, this is the hunt that I, this is the experience I want. And I will go across the landscape, until I find it, my example of the valley of ten bulls. My philosophy is: if there's ten bulls in this valley, I want to be able to walk into that valley and hunt every te- every one of those bulls. And, however, and he
2: picks one that yep. responds. He'll find he'll find west. the he'll
1: walk by nine bulls to find the one that wants to scream in his face. Yep. Even if it's a two or three year old bull, It doesn't matter. That's the bull I want to be able to. And, and there's, there's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with there's it. nothing no, wrong with no, that. Not. but 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 but, 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 but <laughs> not all areas are created equal. More importantly. You cannot go into that situation and say, well, if he does this, then I'm going to do it more and it's going to even be better. You know, you just can't, you just can't pour, yeah, more is not always better, especially when we're talking about this. And so I agree with you that it, more hunters on the landscape being, uh, let's just say less than smart are going to be more problematic, but it does seem to me that we are having way more people, way the hell back in there, creating disturbance. I mean, and and this, it comes down to being smart. A buddy of mine had invited me to come and hunt down in his area, uh, very uh, steep terrain. We went down in there and set up camp, and the elk are all above tree line, and it's just, I mean, it's just like this. I mean, it's just, Sometimes you feel like you just four-wheel drive it up there and put your hands on the ground and just climb up. We get up to the first little bench, start glassing, don't see anything. We're like, hmm, that's that's interesting. Get up to the next little bit, don't see anything. Hmm, that's interesting. Long story short, ended up coming across a couple. We find the elk. We come across a couple of hunters, uh, and there was just a couple elk, not not the big herd that should be up there. And uh, talk to them. They set their camp all the way up at the top of the mountain on the one bench, that offered them a flat piece of ground to to set camp on. There's not a stick of water up there. They had to hike down thirty minute hike to the bottom and thirty minute hike back up to get to to carry water. Um, but they set the camp on the the one bench that offered them a level uh, piece of ground to to set camp on, and never thought about the fact that that one level bench is the one spot on the mountain in these two bowls that is the bedding area. For pretty much every animal that wants to be above timberline, and so when they walked up there before season, they blew and they even said, "Oh yeah, we saw a bunch of elk in here." Did past tense. Yeah, blew them out. Now you're setting your camp right in the middle of your bedding area. So just because you want to go out and in the backcountry and hunt, that's that's one thing. And I and I'm I'm glad people are, but you've got to do it smart. And and there's a lot of me, you. Yeah, there's a lot of people trying to educate folks on this. But to your question. To, to, so let's talk about your your experience down in the Maroon Bells. Do you think you said there used to be a piss pile of elk there now they're not. Mm-hmm. Do you think they just picked up and went up and over the ridge and are they using the same type did they just find a different alpine bowl yeah. to take they, so, okay so they stayed in the same habitat and they went
2: into the timber earlier okay that's, that's what the I, problem okay
1: <laughs> which okay well it, it it is and it isn't it, it depends on the sta- the the, well, the strategy that you want to employ I'm for just your hunting say,
2: it's the problem for me because i like spotting them above tree line and they're when it's early I'm not as worried about calling. I might yeah, throw yeah. some cow calls in there What if I, if I need something to stop or move it a little bit. But overall, when you using the maroon bells, the difference of 500 feet in elevation is massive to where they Correct. were and where they are. When they're at the Sparcy Pines, Bristol Cone, feeding around and then just going inside the timberline to bed, uh, you know, just at, just inside, not too far, coming out every morning, you can look at the elk. You can dissect what's there, what the wind is doing, where they went. So you can kind of still hunt it. And, and, and a lot of times if you're quiet, you will pick up an occasional what I call lazy bugle, bedded bugle. You'll hear some talk. You meow me there. Uh, mm-hmm. Just enough to go kill the fuckers. That's all yep. you need. Are you going to call in a bull that way? Not as easy early season. Doable, but probably not rip-roaring, you know, they're probably going to come in a little more sneak look, a little more tentative. They're not as cranked up, but they, they will come. You got, you said it, five day, three to five day window to capitalize on that happy high country elk time. The moment they drop into the timber, it's almost like a mule deer. They're a different animal than they were before when they were just milling around feeding. Now they're in the timber, they're worried more about vagina than they are feed because that, mm-hmm. that cycle's going on, um, and which is good if you're into calling. The problem is if in that first five days they've been so pressured, um, which is happening now, that they've shut up a little bit, they're a little nervous, a few of them have been shot at, they've been blown out, they've been winded, now they're becoming a smarter, different animal. And your tactics, for example, Chris, how close do you camp to elk? general yeah. question how many times do you get that
1: oh plenty of times plenty. how close of do you camp to elk about a 30 minute
2: walk okay now that 30 minute walk would equate to half a mile
1: it, it, it uh, completely depends on the terrain so if Which it's is, easy if it's easy rolling terrain i'm gonna camp farther away from that what i'm leading up to yeah
2: there is no right answer yeah other than get far enough you don't fucking blow them out right Correct. That that's If it's straight up and down, it might be less. I might just be straight up and over and then on a flat bench Mm -hmm. to where I can climb up to a glassing point. If you're rolling and easy, probably going to need to be a little bit farther away. The wind is more susceptible to drift to them. So when you ask me that question, it's like there's 400 answers. Yeah, I don't know where you're hunting. Yeah, like I I can't tell you. I'm going to be relatively close to water, but not so close I blow the elk out. But close enough, I'm not going to die of dehydration. I'm going to be close enough to a glassing point, but not my wind blow, meaning I'm not going to camp on the side the elk are bedded, and, and then just climb up. You know, I'm going to be up and over, probably more work, but also less conducive to blowing them out. Having said all that, when you'd have 15 other hunters in that area, all of that changes, meaning I'm still yep. going to abide by my rules, but am I going to watch elk blown out? Because Roosevelt's for example They don't run very far They They don't have to It's thicker Thicker than shit How far Would you say Not the farthest Not the closest I've seen herds blown out In high country bowls. How far do those elk go
1: Well I've got uh, A great video on that And I I talked about that recently So I think it all depends On how many times They get hammered Or how how many times They get bumped Full on wind Holy shit blowout like they can absolutely leave the flipping mountain, and I have it yeah. on on video. And, and the reason why it was awesome is because they were going across the Alpine. They literally went from this side of the bowl down, across the creek, back up the other side. And now this is a big ass bowl. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just standing there watching all this.
2: Is this in the area where you killed
1: that one bull at? The three forty bull. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I know yep. right where you're talking about. That's the last. That's the last bull that I killed up there. And I mean, literally after that, you can't buy an animal anywhere on that mountain because of either recreation or they've there's some private land in an adjacent area that they've learned that Thanks, screw it, we're just going to go there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, these guys just packed up and they left the not only the bowl I was in, but they went from the the one the right hand side of the bowl all the way across the head end across a creek. Up the other side Turned back down And then it literally went Down past me on my left And then up and over the ridge And dropped over I mean they did the cow, And it was the cows It was not the bull There was the cows that were like Alright we're done Screw yeah. a bunch of this We're done Now But that was After we had Lightly bumped them or we, Me and or some friends Lightly bumped them I think we By the 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 time I bumped them Was like the third or fourth time We had bumped them And the cows were like Alright we're done now, in the previous encounters, they just bailed, went right down in the timber, and they just hunkered there until it got dark or, you know, that next morning, just whoop, here they come right back out again. So it all depends on the train, but it, but it does, and to your point, it, it depends on how many times people bump them. And my point when I was talking about it was, okay, I may have only bumped these things once, but I may be the seventh person in a row that just bumped them, and they're like, screw it, I'm out. You know, in Arizona, I've seen where all of the, the, you know, if you get down below the pines, you get these rolling hills of pinion juniper, all the habitat is largely the same. It's just massive. It's like your mule deer stuff that you saw. and, And it's just, it's just massive rolling hills of all of the same stuff to where it all looks the same to us. Hell, just on, in general, I've literally followed those animals a mile and a half from maybe where they were getting water or feeding, to where they wanted a bed, and then somebody bumps them, blows them out, and there they go again, and it's a mile and a half to two miles. Now, two days later, here they are rotated back through, but they can absolutely pick up and leave the ever-loving country if they feel that they need to, but they very well, in thick cover, may just button hook down, drop in, stop, wait. It all depends, I think, on the level of disturbance and the personality of the animals that they're dealing with.
2: Well, and, and in, in 15, when I, I shot that bull opening morning, and there was, we had other friends hunting. And anyway, two days later, I think, a uh, storm came in and what at fog. And anyway, I was just walking the, the ridgeline of the mountain range, literally at the highest point, just listening. Fog was in. I heard bulls bugle and waited for the fog to lift their pile of elk. And they, they've ran to their first sanctuary. We blew them out of their happy home. Now they're in their second happy home. Very conducive to killing. So we get on the edge, right? We're watching this bull, and we get into a debate of do we drop down now? And I was like, dude, you can't come from the bottom up. The only way to get into this is where we are. So we've got, we, we've got, we've got the keys to the, to the cupboard right now. Let's just wait for the morning. He agreed. Next morning we drop in, call that bull in, he kills it. The herd literally crossed four Mountain ranges Before they stopped yeah. They, They And in, in, in I'm bringing this up Because Was there other elk In there You know We didn't blow them all out Right But we blew out the herd Right That, 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 that group. group
1: That group That you had patterned That you had information on That you thought There was some predictability That you could engage in Just flat changed their behavior
2: Well We dropped down We called in He shot the bull Okay It was the herd bull Every cow and satellite bull In the immediate area Took one single track Same up escape route gone. For the mule deer Gone. I went up that. You can see the track. They dropped down the next bowl, crossed that, you know, whatever, goat path, up the next one, hooked right, and they went into another unit. Now, that unit was also over the counter, but do you have the physical ability to, to get there? Two, if you're doing, and I'm circling back to the Corey Jacobson, are you willing to risk after hiking in, which Corey doesn't hike in five miles? Right, he does. He doesn't. I'm not saying he doesn't backpack hunt, but he's more of an in and out guy. Are you willing to risk by screaming on that bugle the hopes of one answering like Corey mm-hmm. talks about? Or there's other guys, right, that they're looking for that one note that that bull hits mm-hmm. that they know that bull's on. Are you willing to hike in that far to call like Corey and blow
1: every elk out in hopes that one will respond? I'm not. Unfortunately, there are many people that answer the question yes.
2: Yes, and they may not have the physical ability for they, their answer may be
1: yes, but their body's saying no. They Wait, can, they can't, and, and that's the case. And and you know what, I I can even say, hey, whatever. Kudos to you. Shake your hand. That's fine. Uh, the question becomes is okay. So that's not you, but you're hunting in the area where somebody else is. Yeah, you 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 absolutely can suffer the consequences of someone else's you know, actions and how and how they run on the map. And this is, again, it goes back to what I was, we were, you know, my original question was, because I think we're going to have to start, and, and I know I sound like, obviously I'm biased. I, I, I talk about this all the time on my stuff and sound like a broken record, but we are going to, maybe this is just my, going to be my theme for 2021 is we've just got to be a smarter human being. I mean, we there's just no two ways about it. We cannot... We cannot run our lives. We can't run our hunts in an emotional state. Um, we've we've got to take a moment to remove the emotional decision making process. Just remove that for a moment, and then think critically about what we're doing, why we're doing it, what are the you know game it a little bit pluses or minuses. What's the advantages? What's the disadvantages? Weigh the options because. I still to this day get people asking me, you know, they're, they're like, oh, Chris, I love all your stuff. I follow everything you do, I, everything, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I went up there and I I, I went in and I, I gave them a challenge bugle and, I, and right there I'm like, done. I'm like, you didn't, you don't follow anything I talk about because I have a video that says the challenge bugle doesn't exist. I'd never talk about a challenge bugle. If you're going to say you follow my stuff, there is no challenge bugle. So we could, yeah, it, it, people... They're so caught up in wanting that experience, um, and they want to be like they want. It's it, and the other thing too, I've seen more and more with society these days, and especially the hunting culture and and, and industry or community, is that tribe mentality, that that we mentality, where where my value, uh, my 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 value that I have for myself and and my identity for myself is wrapped in the community of Aaron Snyder. Mm-hmm. Or it's wrapped in the community of Dirk Durham or, or Corey Jacobson or, or Jason whatever. Phelps or hell, Chris Rowe, or it, it's it's I like that person. I, I love what they're experiencing and that's what I want. And so I, that's, that's what I'm going to do. And okay, you want that experience and people pursue what they perceive based off of an emotional, decision-making process, or if there is even one, basically off a, a, an emotional stance without realizing that you go into things simply from emotion, you're very unlikely to actually encounter the experience that you're hoping for. Whereas if you go into your, whether it's your life or whether it's, it's your elk calling or mule deer hunting, if you go into your endeavors with a good, solid, rational, reasoned, f- logical, thought-out plan, and you execute that, you are more likely to encounter the experience that you've been hoping for. You know what's the old military adage? You know if, if you what is it? If you go in without a plan, then you or if if you if you fail to plan, then plan to fail. fail yeah. yeah. So it just. I want people to have fun. I want people to get out there. I want people to enjoy these experiences, and I want people to be successful. But we've got to get away from the emotion-based
0: well, you following. Probably also good to have a backup plan too, though, right? Because I think a lot of people go into a, at least thinking about mule deer hunting. They go into a spot or they they have an idea of what they want to do, and then it doesn't go as planned, and then they're just like sitting there, like, "What do I do now?"
2: Yep. Yep. Well, in in, in mule deer or or elk, either one. When you – and mule deer is a little easier because there's really one tactic, right? When I say that, high country, you spot the mule deer at the fucker bed, you go try and shoot it. Elk's totally different. There's multiple – in my opinion, anyway, there's multiple ways to, to skin that cat, right? You, you could sit water. And I don't mean Arizona water. You could sit a high country, water Correct. hole, Correct. midday, you know, depending upon the wind, whatever. But when you – that tribe mentality – and, and and I have nothing against I consider Jason Phelps a, a very good friend. Oh absolutely. I, I, I get along with Corey. We're not as, as close, but I get along with Corey. My point, these aren't digs towards you, him, or anyone else. You're not them, for one, not you. Whoever's listening. You're you're not me or Frank or Corey or you or Phelps or whatever. Dirk. Dirk doesn't like to backpack hunt. He's very clear on that or, or um What's that, the the bugler, um, right? They all have their nicknames. Oh, that's Dirk. Yeah, Dirk, but what's the other? Donnie. Donnie's oh, yeah, yeah, one. Donnie Vincent. Don- or,
1: uh, or Donnie Vincent, or are you talking no, about uh, Donnie, Cor- no, uh, no. Corey's buddy? Corey's buddy, Donnie. Okay, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, Donnie Drake, yeah. Okay, so if you were to pick, hypothetically, Dirk and, and Phelps are in a partnership, right? They're yep. in one team, okay? And then uh, Corey and Donnie are, are the other team. And then um, you and who? Pick somebody. Who's your partner? I'm a loner. Okay. Yeah. You're, well, that's no a, you're, one wants to hunt with me. You're, you're you're going in. You're going in alone. And and honestly, yeah. I mean, this is a good analogy. Yeah. And Frank and I go in. If it's a physical fitness hunt, I'm betting on Frank and I. Frank oh, absolutely, absolutely. Frank and I will, without sounding arrogant, but we are more fit than all of you. Yeah. Right. We we are. Well, and and I'm going to make fun of Frank and I because neither one of us can call worth a fuck. He's way worse than I am, and and, I, and I'm okay. That's and, saying something. Give me yeah. the,
0: give me the hoochie mama. Yeah,
2: Frank is a, I'll sneak in and shoot it guy, right? He's not. But if if it's a physical fitness hunt, you guys within you know you have a you have a prayer, but you may not even get there if it's nine yeah. miles in.
1: You guys might not get there yeah me ne- me these these days hell no but in my <laughs> Three point miles is, that sounds that <laughs> sounds like a long way
2: this isn't <laughs> it, this isn't pumping up me and Frank's tires this is reality
1: oh no, I mean you and guys it, live out in the back country for what 200 plus days a year or something like something uh, stupid like that a lot yeah. yeah
2: so will Frank and I kill an elk before you, well fuck I guarantee we probably will because we're gonna get there twice as fast as you will it be calling probably not Right? We're going to sneak in and shoot one. Might be a little calling. Let's reverse that. Now we're in a coveted, you know, draw area that, that, that is conducive to screaming crazy bulls. And Frank and
1: I are fucked, right? We're, Especially if it's, it's the <laughs> cover where you can't glass and you, and you yeah. can't get. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we've taken you get, away. You get down in the middle of the pinion junipers or down in the, in the thick pines, and, and here we go.
2: Yeah. You, you've taken away Frank and I's ability to outlast you and out hike you. Now that that's gone, it's animal behavior and calling. Okay. We have some animal behavior. We're not co- totally idiots, but are we at a level of you or Phelps or Charlie or Dirk or Donnie or Corey of calling? Mm, no, we're we're not. That's <laughs> just how God didn't gift me with the ability to. I can't even blow a. I can't even bugle with a diaphragm. My roof of my mouth is too tall. I just can't do it. I'd like to, can't do it. And cow call. So. When you are around a guy that can call like you or Corey or Phelps or Charlie or whatever, there is a certain note that those guys uh, can hit at the end of their bugle that does ignite um, a reaction from bull sometimes. You obviously have have written the, the thesis on elk behavior and what to call and when. Do Frank and I know that? I know enough to get in trouble, right? I can call in elk, but are you going to pick Snyder or Frank to on a unit 10 tag, 201, whatever. You shouldn't. Right? I, will you get an elk with me and Frank? Yes, and you'll laugh a lot. I cannot promise what size of elk well, that will I, be. I was just, just going to say, it,
1: <laughs> we're probably going to kill an elk, but are we going to go out there and are we going to kill that 393 bull?
2: Well, I guarantee if it's Frank and I know because we've already shot something <laughs> exactly. else. So, it's exactly. it, my And my point to all of this is, is if you're in that tribe mentality – that better be your stick that you better perfect that because if it becomes to where you're not as well-rounded you're not as as fit or you're hunting more pressured elk where what do you need
1: uh, I was just a little uh, pen I'd make some notes here so I don't lose my train um, of thought. Here you go.
2: so and and again I I'm only brought this up because we all have our strong points and our weak points and and so on and so forth will I pick other than I, I like hunting with Frank, will I pick Frank as my first choice if I draw a coveted, I don't know, 76, 61, whatever one of those tags. If I want to backpack in, Frank's my guy. If I want to just call in an elk, I'm probably going to be calling Chris Rowe, and Frank's just going to hang out to help pack out. And then you can just learn from Chris as your <laughs> That's just life, right? Yeah. That, that, but that also goes in, when you're heading into the woods, if you have no experience calling.
1: Yeah, well, it, the.
2: Or, experience with anything or whatever.
1: Well, the one thing what I'm making notes on here is is that looks a lot like a dick drawing. Well, I can see why you would think that. I mean, we are, you know, to the man who has only a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So yeah, I mean, I I can see where your head's at. Well, there, dude,
2: that saying right there.
1: Is this subject. Correct. Not And not only is it this, that's, that's, I've talked about that before where if all you know how to, and, and I'll take the criticism. Some people are like, oh, Chris never talks about bugle and Chris doesn't bugle. No, wrong. I, I do. If you watch my stuff, my, 90% of the time, if I'm just going prospecting an area, I am going to pull a bugle out and do a level one contact bugle and, and see if I can't elicit But you're elicit not going to
2: walk around just all day Just you know, Exactly.
1: I'm yeah. going to start. I'm going to start. And and I have a very predictable value set and, and understanding where, yes, I'm going to lean heavy on cow vocalizations, basic, the fundamentals of elk vocalizations and communication, and build up from there. Other people they, they go right. They want to go to the bugle more. Um, and I've talked about that. Yeah. If, if you only practice and understand one strategy or tactic or, or, or philosophy, if you will, if you will,
2: or, or if that's the only one you like,
1: if, or if that's the only one, there you go. If that's then, then that's what you're going to seek and everything that you do, you're going to try to use that tool for every scenario you're in. And you're just going to be, it, it, it sets you up, it sets you up for failure. The one thing that you're saying there that, that, um, I thought resonated to me. Uh, and again, we we go back to our previous podcast and, and kind of what I've been dealing with. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that everybody needs to be introspective and, and you know, yeah. personal growth, mm-hmm. but I'm, damn it, it I am. I, I mean, I, I've realized how lazy I've gotten over these past years about being comfortable about who I am. And I've, I've actually, I've actually regressed I think in my intellectual development and and what I could possibly have brought to the table over these past couple of years, because I became lazy and comfortable with what I was doing, who I was, and, and what I knew, and and I, I feel like I've lost ground, especially given recent events these past you know year or whatever. And you see how much shit's going on do you're like shit was i really preparing myself was i really helping people the best i could have been could i've done something different so yes i am i'm kind of going through a a series where i'm i'm trying to make myself intellectually more uh, mature emotionally more mature and just a, a just a better class of human being so i can help people be a little bit better class of human being and one of those things in there is understanding your personality and we talked about the the Peterson, Jordan Peterson understanding personality course, which is freaking incredible. But the relevant point again, why does this have to do with what does this have to do with hunting? Who gives a shit? I can listen to Jordan Peterson if I want to listen to Jordan Peterson. Good, do it. What what does that have to do with hunting? What it has to do with this discussion right here is understand yourself. Take stock in who you are. Are you someone who has Aaron Frank-esque? Physical fitness ability. There are some of you listening that yes, you absolutely are. I I, I spent the night. I, I I hung out with my buddy's house. Hell, he used to do Ironmans. There's not a question. I mean, I remember hiking with him in his hunting areas. I'm like, geez. I used to be the guy that used to go run up the mountain and I would wait for all my buddies to catch catch up. That is not be anymore. So I I you know I go with Keith or whatever. I mean, he's 156 pounds of just freaking wired you know woven steel up the mountain he goes so there are some of you that are very very physically fit and you can do those very physically fit hunts but if you are not that person understand that about yourself and then think about the hunting strategy you want to employ If you want to lean heavy, and and I'm focusing on the folks that are here in Colorado. Now, obviously, there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast from all over the country. So just take your hunting area and, and, and take stock into what the terrain looks like. Here in Colorado... In some of the places where people say I want to go backcountry, most of the time when you say you want to go backcountry, you're talking about big mountains, you're talking about steep steep slopes and long distances. So when you want to say I want to be a backcountry hunter and I want that experience, okay, that's going to be a very physically fit hunt. You need to take stock and is is that the type of, of 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 hunt that you want that you can do? Is that the the type of hunt you want? Because If you watch the videos from Corey, if you watch the videos from Dirk and and some of the other guys, what are they doing? They're staying extremely mobile. They'll go into an area for a couple days and if it doesn't work, bail. They'll drive to another spot and they'll go around the mountain. Maybe they just go around the mountain and they go to the next spot and go to the next spot and go to the next spot and go to the next spot. What they're not doing is what I usually do is, okay, my backpack is going on my back and I've got, five days of provisions or seven days provisions. And I'm going into that bowl. I'm going to set up camp and that's my elk camp. And I'm going to find the bull or the elk that are in there. It might be a five by five, or it may be a three forty class six by six, but I'm going to go all the way in there. I'm going to set up, I'm going to hunt from that camp. And when I'm done, I pack out, I go home and I go back to my life. That is not a very mobile hunt. So if I want to employ a strategy, if I'm going to wrap my head or, or, or wrap my value set and, and my identity around a value set and a and, a, and a, an emotional uh, tribe mentality and I'm going to choose uh, an ideology, evaluate yourself on do you fit with that ideology from a physical and skill set standpoint, number one. And if you do, are you choosing hunting areas that are also conducive to the success of that strategy and, and mindset or are you just going into an area that is literally not even set up for it people need to be smarter I think about who if they're going to wrap if they're going to follow me that's one thing if they're going to follow Corey that's another thing if they're going to follow you guys that's another thing but just understand you need to be smarter about where you're choosing to go hunt if you want to increase it doesn't matter if you want to go hike your bow around the mountain do whatever you want if you want to increase the consistency and efficiency in your hunting to where you are in animals more and more animals are hitting the ground, I think there needs to be a higher level of analysis for some people than what they're doing right now. Yeah.
2: I I agree with that. And, and mule deer is different because it's more blueprinted. It's more black and white right okay, than, but than let
1: elk. Then let me... Uh, let's, high let's, country mule deer. High country... Okay, but... And, and, I'm, and I'm not a high country – I've killed a really nice high country mule deer buck because he happened to be in the area where I was elk hunting. That's the
0: only reason. you ever reason. seen that deer,
2: Frank? What? It's a good deer. What was it, 190? No, 195. You know yeah,
1: it's a good buck. Yeah. It's on YouTube. You can watch the whole video. You should – And watch me lose my ever-loving mind when I walk up to the thing. And it's just – you know again, it's one of those bucks that gets ground-growage, you know.
2: Well, when you – I remember when you filmed it, you popped over, and I looked, and I'm like – because there was two good bucks in there.
1: If I oh yeah, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. well, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: But the one when you shot it, I'm like, that's pushing two. I was yeah. like, fuck, that's a big deer. Well, I was the, like, non- oh, the
1: non-typical that I originally was after was like, I shoot what two twenty two? Yeah, that was anyway. Well, so, then, but go ahead. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to that. Well, it, my point being is, for me, I'm not a mule deer hunter. Um, but I will hunt mule deer if they happen to be in the area where I'm elk hunting anyway. If it's a big deer at it. There's no elk activity. So, yeah. but the, to, to go back again, bring it back to what I asked earlier. Um, you said that the elk moved. So two, two things I picked up on one, the increase in pressure, uh, in the high country. And I, and I know what I've been seeing, but I want your take because you guys are w- up there. These, you know, in the past 10 years, you're up in the high country a hell of a lot more than I have been significantly. Um, you saw two things. One, or number of things you've got more people in the backcountry. Elk are, are either dropping down into the timber earlier, or they're just packing up and going up and over the ridge and they're they're going to a different bowl. The one thing I will say, um, and I've I've gotten this, some people will say, oh no no no, no. I, I I'm I'm finding elk out in the way out in the open all the time. They're they're still out in the in the alpine. Unit forty nine is a great example of this. You can find some just smoker bowls in unit forty nine, way the hell out in those freaking big, lazy alpine flats up on top of those ridges, yeah, good luck getting to them. (laughs) I mean, that's why they went there. Some animals will take a a, a safety strategy of burying themselves down in the timber where you can't find them. Other animals are going to take a safety strategy of, fine, then we're just going to live out in this, you know, 600 some odd acres of just flat pool, table, flat, alpine, where you're never going to sneak up the, on him. Songer de Cristos is a good example. You There's look another at the one.
2: valley floor covered in outfitter camps. Look above the valley floor, above treeline. There's going to be a herd bull with, you know, 50 to 100 cows and Yeah, satellites. Can you kill him? And the Songer de Cristos, which, in my opinion, is one of the toughest wildernesses in North America, in the lower 48. It's just vertical. Um, yeah. Can you get there? Okay. Can you get it out? Once you get there, is the wind conducive to a stock? Because believe me, that elk's not there because it's easy to kill him. I mean, that is over. You want to call it evolution or whatever you. He has found that that area right there is the safest place for for him to be. Is he killable? Anything's killable. What percentage is it? How many times can you get to him? You yep. can't camp up there, right? Yep. Like if if you're used, if you know, if you've been in the song race, there are spots that are just not. Very, they're inhabitable by man for more than a few hours Because they're just so fucked
1: up What are the average peaks up there? Are they 13s? Yeah So imagine for those people in the Pacific Northwest Imagine the Cascades But just add about five, 4, five thousand, 6,000, 7,000 more feet on top of that I mean, it, it, it's just absolute vertical country Like Aaron said, you're not camping up there If you are, you're camping on literally a, like a, a The size of your sofa You know, little flat spot And then it's just brutal. But, yes, they, they live up in that, that wide open because, like you said, with the wind. I mean, the wind currents coming over those peaks just swirls everywhere. The weather's always constant, constantly changing. So some animals are absolutely going to say So those people that, that hunt alpine and are seeing elk out in the alpine throughout the September, yeah, uh, yes, yes, you're going to find them. But they're going to be the, the reason why they're out there. Is because they're using that as their safety strategy, and I'm guaranteeing they're going to be a little tricky to to get on and, and kill. The ones that are dropping into the timber, that is where I think it would be very interesting to start seeing just exactly. It used to be where people would say, oh, you, you got to go more than a mile off the road because everybody's hunting close to the trailhead, everybody's close to the road, and they're pushing those elk farther in. And then people would push a little further, and they would hunt between one and two miles to the road, and and they were creating disturbance in that zone, so you were pushing the elk farther back in. Now it almost seems like in many areas, I can't say many areas, in some areas, across multiple different habitat types, it seems, that we're almost picking up a new disturbance to where we have more disturbance deeper yeah. in yeah
2: one and a half to two and a half is the sanctuary now correct it's just far enough away from road hunters they're safe and then dipshits like frank and i that are going way in they hover in that middle ground in pockets is is what i've found anyway um, and,
1: and i think that's important and, and that's see that's what i'm picking up on too and again this goes back to all right understand yourself understand what you want from an experience what your skill set truly is. Evalu- evaluate yourself honestly, and then pick the area that's going to be conducive to you having a higher level of success. I think more people need to start to consider they might not need to go five, six, seven miles back in. I, I don't know that many people that actually, when it when the push comes from shove, can actually pack an elk out seven miles from the from the backcountry. I mean. Most people don't have a concept of just how difficult that is. I can't tell you the number of folks that I'll, I'll watch coming out from that, or I'll, I'll watch them going in, and their backpacks are huge, <laughs> heavy. I'm like, "Where are you going? We're going, we're going up to here." And I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking that's seven miles. Yeah. Well, we're going to go up there, and then we're going to drop into this, and I'm like, "Okay, you're going to drop into that." I know f- that is that starts at eight and nine miles and drops into. T- Oh, yeah, yeah, and then they come back out, and here they've got a, a, a rack on their back, and their backpack looks like it's half full, and they're just smoked. One person's got a rack. One person's got a backpack that's half full. Another person's got, like, maybe a front quarter in there, and I'm, I'm like, oh, geez, how'd you guys go? Oh, good, 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 and then I look. I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't you guys already come? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're, pa- they're, they're already heading out. Where's the rest? Ra- oh, a bear got it yeah <laughs> you're full of shit a bear got it you you went and you pulled the ant, the antlers you got the back straps you got the tenderloins and you're bringing out a quarter because you want to make it you just know you're smoked and done and you can't pack the whole thing out yeah people well, frank you hiked
2: out with me where colton shot his bull that was bad that's as bad as it's gotten for me um how far was that Do you remember
0: i'm not sure it was a pretty good distance, but the train the was the, the tough part. Super like, steep, got to cross that creek a couple times. Is it like five and a half? Yeah. So That's a long way. We
2: split it. So he That's had 181, and I had 178 pounds. And we screw it. that. Now, most people aren't going to believe that, which I probably wouldn't believe me either. But the morning we woke up, I said, hey, anything I get for free or isn't of any high value, put it in this stuff sack. We're going to hang in a tree. Right? Yeah. We'll come back. Yeah. And I don't mean... I wasn't going to come back next week. I mean, I'll come back next year, right? Like, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and that shit show um, probably took 10 years of life off my kneecaps. Um, Correct. Now, when we were coming down, and you remember that first cliff and the trees, it was cross-country for a ways, and then probably, what, four miles on trail? Or, I don't know. Yeah, Amy maybe. picked us yeah. up. I, it was far, dude. Like, and it was all downhill, though. That saved us.
1: Well, maybe, but that's just harder on your knees. People well, don't people don't realize that. Uh, for me, I would rather actually climb. I well, would actually rather go uphill because it's not easier with a, on my knees. No, one hundred and eighty pounds. No, but but my mu- <laughs> I, okay, but I can take breaks. Yeah. because my I, my muscles can recover. More than my knee pain. Once, yeah. once you start to yeah. get inflammation in your knees, you're yeah. freaking screwed, man.
2: Quads, flex, your, you know, whatever. Yeah,
1: I, I could at least let the lactic acid kind of clean out of my legs, and then I can take another fifty yards and stop. Another fifty and, yards and stop. But my
2: my thing, I wasn't going to come back. And, and I, knew see, I knew that's I wouldn't. the
1: thing is, you, 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 most people are not going to put 180 pounds in there. I've done it once. I'll never do. Well, I say never. I, I don't ever want to do it again. But. You know, people are like, "Oh, that's stupid. Just make multiple trips." Okay, okay, let's be, okay, let's let's go that scenario. So it's, let's say it's five miles. You took a hind quarter. That hind quarter was what seventy five pounds. Let's just say seventy five pounds on the high end, but yeah. yeah. So it's seventy five pounds. You 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 hike out. You get it on the trail down with well, the vehicle. Grab night. your
2: pen and paper and draw back and forth. Here, I'll I'll do it.
1: No, so so you kill it here. So here's one hike out. Five. one, one quarter. There's, you come back in for the second quarter. Go back out with that second quarter. Here's the third, back out. Fourth, back out. Now you get your excess, all your miscellaneous. Let's just say you're just like, no, no. Most people, you're either going to get all your miscellaneous meat and your antlers at this point out, and then you got to get your camp. That's one, if you're going to do it one person.
2: Let me see that. So,
1: did, did, it, did, did my marks make sense? Was, yeah. was that right?
2: So I didn't embellish it. 55 miles. Yes. Yeah. So, initially, I was thinking thirty-five, but I was also thinking I can I can carry more than
1: correct. Than correct. And you have so, to do it
0: quickly because because the, the meat will meat spoil. It correct.
1: So so exactly fifty-five miles, and you're going to be doing that in a couple days. So
0: believe me, this is this this
2: scenario is what made me get off forums this last time. <laughs> yes, um, yes. A guy had his Brain spiel damage. about where he shot his bull, and mathematically, I'm like 21. That's humanly impossible, right? You. There's a pace you can go at, every human can. Yeah, unless you're David Goggins. And uh and even then he doesn't have weight on his back. There you go. How fair, would he handle a hundred pounds? Um, you know, can can you do that, right? I do you have the skill set and the gear needed if you bury bury it in the water? Go ahead.
1: Uh, just so those people that are screaming in their phones right now. Yes. Um you might have been able to consolidate one of those trips by saying, I'll take a front quarter and a back strap well, and let, a tenderloin.
2: Let's just take these out, and they went a oh, little that's heavy. Gen-
1: okay, that's generous. Okay, there you go. That's generous. So you, so, you, so you consolidated some meat, and you took a little bit of your camp out with you.
2: That's still 40 miles. Yeah. So my, my, my point to people is with when you talk about the, the clan mentality or whatever. Tribe mentality. Yep, tribe yep. mentality. <laughs> or can, course, can, clan. Yeah, can, can you do that? Right? Can you do that without a doubt? Right? Not not what you. I hear. I played college football. I'm like, that doesn't okay. I mean shit. Right? I mean, yeah. I,
1: different muscle set, different yeah. different stress. In Altitude the body.
2: is a, another you know big big equalizer. When when you let's say let's say it's three miles in, which is still far. That doesn't me, sound far. but That that's to far. me
1: is about my limit.
2: So if you're at three miles in. And I've argued with people about this, but generally deboned it's thirty percent of meat of the animal on the hoof. So thousand pound animal, which is a giant animal. That's oak. a giant bull. Three hundred pounds of meat. Colorado's probably five to seven. Um seven on the big side, five on the, the yeah, average let, size.
1: Let's say let's just say a seven hundred and fifty pound bull. Which is a tank. Yep. Okay. That's a good so two hundred and thirty pounds, yeah. roughly.
2: So two hundred and thirty pounds of meat one guy, and then sixty pounds of gear. So Roughly your three hundred pounds. pounds. Okay, so let's say that's three trips. You can do a hundred pounds each yourself. That's still three out, three back. So that's six. six. Three out, three back. Twelve. Nine or, or twelve. Six, twelve. Yep. And then three out and three back. Eighteen. You are yeah. smoked. Can people physically do it? Yes. I know he can do it. Right. I I know mm-hmm. I could, and I bet you could. Mm-hmm. Will mm. <laughs> well.
1: I'm gonna have to get my legs in shape, buddy.
2: <laughs> Are you? Do you have bad knees? Did you have knee yep. injuries? Yep. Do you, you know, yep. there's a lot of variables in here. Yep. In in Frank's case, um, Frank, I would say, well, they're better now. But your ankles, they've strengthened up quite a bit. But I would say, if if I was worried coming out, I would say Frank's you, sprain a kink probably okay, yeah. would be an ankle. <laughs> yeah. So when you have a hundred pounds, would be my knees. Yep. Yeah. And so, and luckily for me. I, mine would just be I get tired of fucking hiking, right? I, I look, I have good knees and ankles. So Frank, right that's now. why
1: he's going to carry 180 pounds.
2: And we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll take the, I'll take no, the he'll, sleeping take bags. The tent, he's, yes. he's, yeah, he'll, You take
1: the sli- you, I'll take the sleeping <laughs> yeah. bags. You take the 10. He'll
2: tell you I have amazing. I just don't fall. I just, I don't, I don't hit the ground very – How many times have you seen me hit the ground? Maybe yeah. once, okay. twice. I Baby. did fall off a log and got wedged between two logs with one leg up and one leg down. They took photos while I was stuck. Little Excellent. Fuckers. Yeah, it was Excellent. great. That was, that was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> was worth the, it. the only reason I'm, I'm bringing all of this up is there are going to be, um, when you say, like, you, you, evaluations. Should you even shoot this fucking thing? Right? C- can you get it out? Correct. Um, now, if you're a guy that, um, who will I bring? Jake Downs, a uh, friend of mine, stick guy little chubby right he he would admit that the fuckers he's mentally strong right the the he beat me at a tournament once that was not what amazed me it was the fact we went to the fire road and that fucker kept up with me with 50 pounds on his back he didn't he was 100 yards behind me from nebraska yeah the dude's got heart he'll make it out the long-term repercussions of that are 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 unknown right you're How much life have you taken off your knees? Um, yeah. Do you know how to take care of the meat when it's back there? You know, those are all the variables that you know. You you know, do you know how to debone? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, as as I go into the woods with Frank, there is nothing that I'm worried about. Right there's there's no mountain too high. There's no distance too far that we can't. Uh, is that a in. song? Probably.
1: Probably. I was waiting for him to break into song, but <laughs> yeah. I just. I, I, <laughs> 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 yeah, um, i have a feeling that is going to end in a train wreck at some point you're going to hit the wrong button at the wrong time and
2: <laughs> no, yeah, no kidding but when, I, when i'm only bringing this up is frank's uh physical fitness level at one time i would say when he, it was even with mine but i i believe i'm falling behind now but we have a good physical fitness level and you know we know our parameters and we can take care of the meat and tricks of the trade how many people coming from tennessee have that how many people came from tennessee that listened to something on rock slide that said come five miles in yeah right i mean i don't get on rock slide anymore um i just can't handle these kind of conversations on there because i'm trying to help people and then they're arguing but when you go in i would say your first time in would be a two and a half mile roughly buffer frank how many times do you hear i'll do whatever it takes i'll go as far as i need to of course this is from the couch right yeah uh seven ten miles i'm i'm going in do you do you hear
0: that sometimes frank yeah a lot of a lot of 10-day trips planned
2: yeah
1: yeah 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 yeah
2: what percentage of people would you say that hit the backcountry can make it 10 days
1: i'd say uh, i i think i i think i think some guys would i think there's a good number of folks that would absolutely muscle it out once I don't think it, there's a lot of folks that would say no, you know, and they just come out earlier. But I think a lot of people will get themselves in over their heads and they'll do it once. And then, then it's a significant wake-up call.
2: And, and that, that wake-up call, I guess when I was talking about Frank and the song and the No Mountain Too High, um, there, there's nothing that, I, well, I'm speaking for you. I, he, he's crazier than I am or every bit as crazy. He was doing these hunts so solo before he met me in a far what I mean, you were fuck like nine, ten miles back for ten, twelve days. and in by choice, right? He doesn't yeah. need I don't even know that he wants me there now, right? So he uh well I mean, just being some people I dream. A little so dream right? I know, right? Um when you plan these hunts, if you're in the the tribe, the click man uh, and you're you're watching Cameron Haynes or I don't pick somebody, you're not you're not him, right? And so that wisdom or, 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 or knowledge you're getting from people, you better make sure they've done it, right? You better make sure they've done it more than once because if you kill a bull, let's say two miles in, uh, but you went up and over and there's an 800-foot climb to get back, Yep, that is far by far worse than hunting, hiking, in my opinion, four miles on flat ground or, or slightly down or up, rolling hill. That 800-foot climb is going to take Every bit of physical and mental I feel strength that you have. Because I've done it before where I'm like, fuck, I, I can't make it more than twenty feet. Yeah, I, no, you know, I, I, <laughs> I have a
1: I have a spot like that right now in my brain that I, I'm I'm visualizing that I don't hunt there. I, I mean I I know I know I know there are good bulls in there. It is a sanctuary area that no one goes into this little hole, and that is why. You the only way to get to it is either it's got to be a five 600 climb up, over, and it's steep. Rocky, loose ground, up, over, and then you're dropping easy 800 down. Or you come in from the top, and you've got to drop 1,000, 1,200 feet to the bottom. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's like ski slope steep. Uh, yeah, they're there. I'm not packing that damn yeah. thing out. I, and, <laughs> and quite honestly, as somebody that, that used to have, you know, use pack horses, I can't even, I, I can't, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't bring my pack animals in there because it's still way too steep. They take a tumble, they're done. Yeah. They're not going to cool. stop until they hit a tree or they hit the bottom. Frank, what would you say
2: you for packing an elk out? So let's say a uh, figure average 180 pounds of meat, roughly for an elk, you know, let's say it's a raghorn. What would you say you're comfortable making it out on your own? Distance?
0: Distance? I'd and have, how many uh, trips do you think it'd take? I would, I'd at least have to two trip it. And uh, I don't know. I wouldn't want to do it more than five miles, probably. And that's why I don't hunt elk. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> right?
1: fair point. And, and,
2: and, and I would say that's pretty realistic to what I would say for. I'm going to do it in two because I'm lazy. I don't want to make more trips. I'm going to have a hundred and. 20 pounds on my back each trip. I'm going to have 80 to 90 pounds of meat, 30 pounds of gear each trip. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm either going to take more meat and less gear, more gear and less meat, one of those trips. Either way, it's fucked, right? And this is not an internet 120, okay? An internet 120 is a 70. Yeah. This is a legit 120 pounds. And I encourage people to throw 120 pounds on their back. Correct. Legit
1: I and see what it, because these numbers that these guys are talking about are not Bullshit. I mean, they're they're not. I mean, y- you occasionally
2: will find a guy that can do it. Correct. One out of every thousand, maybe that can that can do it. I would. Frank's Frank's a guy that can do it. But I, what I'm leading up to here is when you are 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 coming out um, with with your with your elk. If you're solo, if you make two trips, you can keep the meat good that long and everything else. The, the problem is, is this is a guess for most people. They don't they don't know and. If you, you know, I'm not bashing anyone in particular. I don't know the first time I sat in a tree stand, could I sit 14 hours? I said yes, but there's no fucking way I could do it. I got four, I'd never done it. Four hours into it, I'm like, my Christ, this is horrible. I'll just pitch myself off head first and
1: just end it now. Oh, yeah,
2: just slip my wrist with my broadhead and get it over with. Why is that? I've never done it, right? I hadn't desensitized myself to those long sits and... Well, there's no physical ability in that. It's mental. When you're packing an elk out, it's mental and physical. physical. So you got to be able to dig deep. What's Lance say? Become friends with pain. You'll never be alone. Okay. If you've never done that, how can you say you can do it? You don't fucking know. And so knowing how many people I've passed on the trail with the rack and a backstrap or knowing how many people I've passed on the trail that had these 10-day plans on day two, they're heading out. That number, it's pretty high. Yeah,
1: um, and and again, it's not to say don't try some of these things. Um, I just be
2: conscious about it. Be, be conscious. Smart.
1: Of, be conscious about it. And again, evaluate yourself and what, what you can do. And it doesn't mean oh, and th- this is the other thing too. Um, let's just say you you know you idolize Aaron and the backcountry type stuff and, and what you want to you know that, that's what you'd like to do, but you don't have the physical ability at the moment to do it. Uh, or you like what you see, Cameron Haynes doing, or you like you see, what you see Corey doing, or whatever. If you understand what they're doing and why, and then you evaluate where you plan to hunt, they may not. If if you've if you've al- if you've done your due diligence and, and you can align those two things, great. But if you're if you can't or you don't, that's not to say you can't take something away from those other people. Just just. Pull the information, that the, all of the things that you're going to learn from an Aaron, all the things you're going to learn from me, all the things you're going to learn from a Dirk, um, Cam, it doesn't matter. All those things you can learn, learn them, internalize them, but don't assume that you can just put all of, the, all of those things back on the landscape and have the same, just pull maybe strategic lessons ideas, principles out and, and apply them to your area as it, as it is necessary. You know, those guys that, that hunt elk in a highly mobile fashion. All right. They hunt in a highly mobile fashion. Well, if you're just going to go get an outfitter, if you're going to hire an outfitter to, to hike you or to pack you in a, in a drop camp. Okay. Well, you're obviously you're not going to be in a highly mobile. No. Situation, so <laughs> you might be okay, able to spike out or something. But that's Correct, it. and that was just what I was going to say. Is okay, understand? No, you're not going to be able to change mountain ranges, but maybe what you could do is say, okay, we want our base camp, but I'm going to go ahead and pack like a little bivy or a little a, a little one man tent, and maybe what I'll do now is, if I want to have a mobile hunt, maybe I'll I'll hunt to the east side of my hunting area and I'll get up on that ridge and I'll listen, and if there's something over the other side, maybe I'll just spike out at night okay that didn't work I come back regroup at the spike camp next day I go north of camp or what modify your hunt you'll look at what these people are doing understand what they're doing and why and then just maybe think about how you modify your hunt or tailor your hunt to help achieve that again if you're gonna if you're gonna wrap yourself around a, a following of, of an idea think logically and plan ahead and maximize your Ability to be flexible on the landscape and tailor it, I think more and more, especially when we have changes in in like season structure this year. I think a lot of people, I think it's going to take about three years for people to get um, lined out with this new season structure. Some people, some people are going to hunt like the week of muzzleloader, and they always have, and so nothing really changes. But what I argued with folks is, I'm like, well, okay, so just because you're hunting that same week doesn't mean. Well, now I can't. I'd normally hunt the last week of August. Well, I can't now, so I have to choose a, a week in September. Well, that may put me in your area when I've never been there before because I have no choice but to go into uh, – it it's going to change things. Um, I don't know. I, I and, and the other thing, too, and the reason why I ask you the question is I think a lot of people need to start thinking about how to exploit some of these new, quote-unquote, sanctuary areas that animals are are retreating into that might not fit the – past narrative yeah. yeah
2: well if you were to like last year i gave up um you know i have people that this isn't i'm on standing on a high horse saying i'm not going on a guided elk hunt but i i had opportunities to hunt guided elk hunts and you know hey come whatever and anyway the the unit i hunted this year is like my my favorite you know area and yeah you know, i had multiple people including mike kern asked he's like dude why did you why and i'm like well, if I have a choice of hunting a backcountry hunt where I get the calling, and you know, it's going to be hard for me to to choose a road hunt over that. I like backpack hunting. Now, if I had my pick, I would love backcountry hunting with giant bulls screaming. But you don't, you know, you don't get your cake and eat it too. I would rather have multiple two hundred and seventy to three hundred inch bulls screaming like crazy. Oh, yeah. Than I would the chance of one giant bull in a pinion juniper shit show of a heat sto- heat stroke, or,
1: or, it, or it doesn't even matter where he is. You've got one giant bull that's surrounded by fifty cows and like yeah. a half a dozen spikes and raghorns that you don't want yeah. because the odds of being able to get in there, inserting into that situation and killing that bull are probably low. Whereas, holy hell, how much fun is it to chase? 270 280 to 300 inch bulls day in day out day in day out and actually have them in front of you. I'll shoot a 270 bull every year.
2: Well, and and you get some of the guys that um I'm not going to bring up one of my guys I really dislike but shoots giant elk in in uh one of Jay's buddies. Um <laughs> Still, Montana. Yeah, you got to narrow it down. Doesn't even use a call, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different scenario of hunting. There's nothing wrong with that scenario. But depending upon the situation you're faced with, if you go to 2 or 201, let's yeah, say, yeah. is that a hunt I want to hunt? Not really. I don't like that terrain, right? It's hotter than balls. Is there a lot of elk there? Well, there better be. It takes 20-some years to draw that fucker, yeah. right? Like, um, but, Frank, like you hunted. What did you hunt this year?
0: I don't remember the unit number. It was a, a premier unit, though.
1: 60-something, Sixty. Something? 60 okay, where was it? was
0: it? Let me look. South of Grand Junction.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, 61. You, did, yeah, or, yeah. 61? you 61? I think so.
2: Would you choose that hunt over
0: a high country hunt
1: with
2: average amount of elk and very little pressure?
0: I don't know. No, nah, I mean, <clears throat> it was just different than yeah, I'm used to.
1: I, I was just going to say that's completely different.
0: That's what I mean. That's it's. Uh, we're talking apples and oranges. Yeah, it was an awesome hunt. The elk activity was like out of a Primo's video or something. It was, it was <laughs> yeah, insane. Yeah. It was something yeah. I'd never seen before.
2: And, and, and that's kind of my, my, my point is, is – Maybe not exactly that. But when you're looking at, at choosing a hunt, I, well, you might argue with this, but dog hair thick timber in a wilderness is generally more conducive for elk making noise, I have found, because sure. they're more yeah. comfortable. You can't see shit, right? You probably don't even need binoculars.
1: And that's why they're making noise. And, yeah. and they can't see shit.
2: Yeah. Uh, now, they, they may come in. You may get a shot. You know, you may have more calling. Is that the hunt you want compared to a high country basin? totally different scenario, but I'm not going to list wildernesses here, but there's certain wildernesses that are a little more conducive to dog hair, thick, you know, timber and cold camping and whatever. If you're wanting calling, you may not need to bring binos because that may be the area you're. Oh, I
1: rarely. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. I am not the guy. People have asked me, you know, what, what binoculars should I get? I'm like, dude, you know how many years I operated with a pair of compact Bosch and Loam, you know, <laughs> eight
2: by forty twos. And Frank, what are we packing in? Ninety fives and 15s and tens yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, tripods yeah. and shit. A yeah. little bit, little
1: bit different. Now, I mean, yeah. So you're in the timber. The only thing I need a pair of binoculars for is to go. Yeah, that's it. That's an antler tine. I, I at a hundred yards. That's yeah. that's all I'm looking at.
2: Yeah, and it's just the hunt that you won. And you know, for me, I like the high country and, you know, whatever. But by no means does that mean you're going to shoot bigger elk. Nine miles in doesn't mean shit anymore. No, it doesn't. No, no it does not. No. And now, no, it does not. Uh, for some, you may find a little more mule deer. But even that case, more now, it, it's it's weird. Some of these areas that, I, that that there's mule deer aren't necessarily really far in. And hell, that one place that, well, I won't mention names. They're glassing them from the road.
1: Well, it's just because, so that was going to be the parallel question. And I got off, I, I forgot to follow up on it. Is so we know that elk are going to be pushed down in the timber, but that was my question for you, mule deer hunters. How many of those mule deer now are just ba- bailing down into the timber and just becoming timber rats, where, you know, from a safety standpoint, or, or, or are they staying out into that? Or are they just staying up in the same type of habitat, and just doing circles? Once they lose their
2: velvet, it's kind of a shit show. But I mean, I don't know where where you were at this year. How much this year? I think season?
0: we dealt with a bit of a drought, so there was less g- green, lush grass up high. And by that first week, they were Down. right th- right there on the edge of the timber. And by the end of that first week, they were in there.
1: Yeah, and 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 that probably was more because they're following vegetative quality. They're they're not. They don't even care about disturbance. They're just looking for good food.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, and,
2: and it, you know, I, as we're rambling on and on about all of this, the, my my point would be, if you're listening, is figure out your fitness level, a no-bullshit assessment, your animal behavior level, right, your, your woods craft, fields craft, what, your comfort level, and then figure out what kind of hunt you want. In, if you want a backpack hunt and you're not up to snuff, only go in a mile and a half. You can learn a shitload going in a mile and a half, right? When I say that, meaning you're going to learn how to backpack hunt, and you're probably going to get into
1: elk. I was just going to say, even if it's maybe consider that, just all things being equal, maybe just consider that because that very well may be where you have a higher percentage well, of success.
2: This year, hiking out um, well, oh, elk hunting, on the way to the truck, I run into a rut fest. I could see the truck. Right. now, I, I, That sounds
1: like a Chris Rowe-style hunt, because uh, I could have my camper right there, and well, every morning I could just walk out, stretch, oh, fart, and then was, just walk up the trail. What was funny, elk.
2: I'd been back there four nights, maybe, and I've got a truck full of food, and so I'm on my way back to the truck not to pick up food and come back in. I'm, I'm going to go home for a shower. For, and So that changed immediately. <laughs> I I hear the bull scream like an idiot. I did drop because I have my full, full kit. I dropped my pack, mark it on my GPS, go after this bull. The bull where he was at, he just wouldn't, he just wasn't, he was screaming and not coming, right? I got 70 yards from pretty thick timber, cranked off a bugle. He didn't want any part of it. You know, I'm like, well, I fucked that up. Go back. On the way back to finding my pack, I have a five by five blow by me chasing a cow. And I'm like, okay, I've, I need to stay here and re- reconfigure, reposition for the wind. So I drop my shit, sprint to the truck um it's where we took off for you on your rifle hunt. Sprint to the truck with an empty pack, throw a bunch of food in there, right? I'm like, okay, I'm gonna stay a couple you know nights in here, come back in on the way in. I'm hitting more and more bulls um you know it's, it's just that one when they get hot cows are in oh, there yeah. and
1: you got a, a a cow coming in estrus, it's gonna be off the hook
2: and and this is. I don't run very fast. I think I got to the truck in like nine minutes. Not very far. Not, not a backpack hunting conducive yeah, area, yeah, yeah. but yeah. my shit was already in there, and I wanted to hear them all night, see where they were at. You know, come back in. My point to this, that sanctuary was there because there was so many people coming in from the other side backpack hunting. No one, this road to drive up is a little bit rough. No one was in on that other side. Those elk, they go where there's no pressure. They don't want to be bothered. I just happened to be hiking out and, and hit that pocket. If I came back in there the next year, first weekend, would there be elk there? Probably not. Not You know, that's mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It's, it, four-wheelers driving up and down the road. This was towards the end of the season. And so I've had people, you know, get a hold of me about, man, I found this awesome area. And I'm like, oh, cool. Tell me about it. It was that one chance, one pocket they hit, hiking out. They were in elk for a day. And now they're thinking I'm, they're going to drive from fucking Connecticut back out the next year and have the same experience maybe it, it, yeah it's I would if, say it's a 70 30 to the bad
1: oh yeah 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 I mean they 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 saw and, and this comes up all the time um, people see that that rut fest and they're like oh man this is awesome I mean okay well you you hit that because that cow was coming into estrus now don't get me wrong you may see uh, a day or two days or three days of that and you're like holy hell okay if, you have a, if you're in an area where you have a bunch of cows, you very well may have two, three, four cows starting to cycle, and so all of a sudden that scent is in the air. But do not underestimate the fact that you have one cow – because, again, I've talked about this in the past, and I think you see this more and more across the landscape in many areas where it's not a giant bull with 30 cows. It's one bull with three cows, one bull with four or five cows, or one bull – with a cow and a calf, and he is freaking happy that he's able to have her to where you can have one cow cycle, and she's it in that basin. That's it, to where you'll have this little flash in the pan of activity, and then it just the next day it's just dead, gone, nothing's happening. And people are like, well, what the hell happened? Maybe I blew him out. No, she she was bred, and I mean, I can show you the video on, on my site. It, that bull, as soon as he mounts that, cow before his front feet hit the ground again his mind is gone and it's it's off of her and you literally watch the this is one that I'm working on now putting up on the the elk module every other and I this is what I would love. me geeking out on behavior I don't know what it what the trigger is whether it's a visual cue or if it's a it's an audible cue because when a cow gets bred um it's a pretty violent... It's not a violent act, but it's a pretty significant... I'll go significant into that act.
2: here in a minute because I got a little spiel.
1: Go ahead. Okay. So the bull's going to breed that cow, and sometimes when when he does that, she's going to elicit a little whine. So I don't know if the other bulls in the area hear that because there's no way that their pheromones just instantly stop. I, I don't know this, but I can't imagine that. But regardless, my point being is this. That bull breeds that cow, and the satellite bulls are around there screaming their heads off. That bull... His front feet hit the ground. He gets off her. He's done, and he will just flat walk away. And all the other bulls in the area are like, ah, shit. All right. And, I mean, they just – it's just like done. It's like you just flick the light switch, Whip! and it's just done because the cow was bred. So, to your point, and I'll let you dive into your little spiel. Um, Those guys from Connecticut, the hypothetical uh, hypothetical guys from Connecticut – they very well may. They, they may come back in and find out a situation where, like your scenario, guess what? You come in late season. The reason why the elk are there in late season is because this was their sanctuary. They've been bumped and pushed into this area. So if you insert yourself into that situation, well, geez, oh, Pete, you very well may have, it may be the best thing ever. However, understand, you may have stumbled onto their sanctuary area where They've never encountered anybody before, and now you go in there to put a camp in because you're going to spend the week in there. You just ruined their sanctuary area. And, or, and are the elk actually going to want to pile in there, or are they going to find a different spot?
2: I was just say, or that's their fourth sanctuary area. Yes, exactly. And they haven't worked. They're still on their second when you get back in that's there. That's correct. It depends on the pressure. And, you know, when you, when you talk about the best elk rut activity I've seen is where two to three cows, of course, were going into cycle. Because all of the Bulls know now, well, well, Bill, Big, big Daddy Longcock, he's going to be busy with Jill, right? So, you know, whatever, Amanda yeah. and whoever else, they're, they're free for the pickings, right? Yeah. So then Bill is at a, a hyper-frantic, you know, paranoia. And when you said it violent, it's the same with Whitetail. The easiest way that I have found that a cow's been bred, because for the first hour she may just stand there like I just got raped yeah. and I I don't know what happened. <laughs> yep. Like literally, she oh, she'll
1: should. take a four point stance.
2: Yeah, yeah. They don't. It's almost like a gut shut. Oh yep. But exactly. They, they yeah, just, correct.
1: That's a great. That's that is a <laughs> great analogy. Head hung low, ears down, wide four point stance, kind of back hunched a little bit, and they're like, Woof.
2: yeah, what what just happened, right? So, one of the signs of that that I I, I was explaining to a few different people just in front of the rear quarter, you will see where the two legs of the bull have roughed up her her fur. It's it's very, I mean, yeah. you know, doggy style, right, whatever. He doesn't have opposable thumbs. All he's got is squeezing them legs together, and it leaves a for a day or so on game cameras for whitetail. I can, yeah. I'm looking for that rough mark that she's been bred. Is, is, there, um, is, is the rut kicking in, right? Where are we at? How many does have been bred? You know, is it a hot area? Well, in the spotter, if you watch a bull breed, it is a violent action. He only lasts like three seconds, but I've seen one bull breed. Generously. Yeah. I've seen one bull breed three cows in 20 minutes. It's not like a human where you let's wait an hour and, you know, eat some pizza. It's immediate. (laughs) Well, when I was, you know, watching that, when you said it, the one thing I learned is, okay, if it's one cow in estrus, it does. It's done, Right. It's off, right? Yep. Everyone knows, Bill Shit. just got laid, son of a bitch. Now we got to sit around and wait. But one of the things that I know, like if we're in an area in Glassing and he breeds, a bull breeds, and nothing changes, we need to get the fuck over there. Yeah. And we need it's, to do it yep, quick. Yep, yep, Because there's someone is, else is coming in. There's another cow in there that's hot, and the best time, and this has only happened a few times out of all the elk I've hunted, and we don't always kill them, but it is exciting. You get in there and you do the whole, I always call it the both 80, Dan, whatever more. Get it within 80 and bugle. Fuck those cow calls. Remember how much hey, you Oh, talk? yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, at that point, will probably work. Sure. Right? But there's other times, and, and this goes along the line with the ho- the honey hole and that experience they hit, is that one call they made that worked at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't always, I have been within 80 yards of many bulls and bugled, and then I'm like, Yeah, I'm taking my
1: cows and getting the fuck
2: out of here. I don't want to fight.
1: When there's, I've I've literally watched bulls say "screw a bunch of this" and freaking leave and leave the cows. Yeah, they they just. I'll I'll come back later tonight after dark. I'm out and just there
2: they go. Especially if now if there's a hot cow in there, maybe not, maybe not. But when there's not, they're like, screw you. They're they're not in estrus anyway, and I don't want to fight. Yeah, when the when the bull to cow ratio is let's say at forty seven percent, forty five. Fifty high, yeah. That those bulls are going to have less cows, and they're not going to want to fight as much because they're tired of fight. And this is from what I've seen in in areas in Colorado. When that happens, and this happened once with Dingle Hopper, right? I said, dude, don't just do the whole Phelps, you know, Jacobson die scream, and it shit doesn't work like that here. And he's like, why? And I'm like, dude, there's too many bulls there's just too many and there's not enough cows and if he's got a cow it's going to take a lot more than a raspy ass bugle to make him come in because he doesn't want to leave the cow he's already got her and 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 again in a minute i'll get your feedback on this and i when i was calling this bull i was just another herd just calling some bugling some cow call and slowly he started 300 yards away he got to about 80 and this is a 370 bull The kind of bull that supposedly, according to everyone, if you scream within 100 yards, they'll come charging in, which I think is totally full of shit and nothing you should bank your life on, Um, you know, personally. Sometimes, yes. Well, we have an SF dude. We don't know. Obviously, we don't know he's special forces, nor do we know he's there. The motherfucker could bugle. He comes over the – you know, this bull's coming this way with five to seven cows. A few raghorns running around this – bull which was a hunter's coming to the and i'm like that fucking bull is, is giant jesus it, this dude could call well that big bull that we were 370 right somebody killed him we know how how big he was he you see him look up the hill and you see him look at his cows i mean we're watching him and he's like yeah no. not not today no he does this little what's that fucking shit called where he come hey everybody get together what's that a tending her, or whatever the fuck no, that depends. is. It depends. I, I don't but know you, which way. Yeah, he, yeah. He's like, hey, ladies, let's get out of here. Yep. Gone. Gone. Now, stereotypically, if you listen to Primos or anybody else, you get within 80 to 100 yards, it ignites this, you know, internal, I want to, that's, no. No, do not. Yeah. Sometimes it does. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I have seen more likely than not, uh, especially when it's a high bull to cow ratio or a overly pressured area, they're just like, I've got some ass. Why would I fight over it? And they get out of there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 yeah. Would
2: you agree with anything I just said or disagree? Oh,
1: dude, I ta- no, I, I do agree with it because I talk about this. And, and the funny thing, again, okay, people need to understand. And, and for some reason, this day and age, you can't disagree with someone unless you hate them. You know, if if you like somebody, you have to agree with them, and if you if you if you don't agree with them, well, that's one of the reasons
2: why I like talking to you because you disagree with me all the time. You don't give a shit. Which I prefer. Well, (laughs) uh,
1: I could make. I never. I I won't. I won't make. I don't have to constantly beat you over the head about. Anyway, (laughs) but no, it's it's funny. You know, the the analogy that people get about walking into a bar and you know someone coming up and and. Well, Joel talks about, you know, walking up the bar and, and you know, threatening you know, saying I'm gonna screw your lady. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously you're gonna you're gonna fight him. You're full of shit. Yeah. Frank, no are you gonna do that with me?
2: <laughs> okay. Frank, <laughs> hold on. Me, Frank, how fit are you right now?
0: I'm in decent shape. Well, well <laughs> as he says, <laughs> yeah, I got a broken wing. But uh,
2: Frank, you are more fit than I am right now. <laughs> yeah, I would say. And you're not, you're not as strong as I am, but you're pretty freaking strong. Why are you not going to fight me? Uh,
0: you know how to fight better than I do.
2: Uh, or, yes, or th- there's the risk of the getting risk, your ass kicked. It's, it's a risk. And, and when you analyze as a human, and I've listened to Joel shit, when you analyze as a human, is Joel going to fight me? Probably not. No. He might shoot me, right? He's no. good with a gun. But, he's, but if you get Luke Cadillo, Luke is going to fight me. But we just went through one elk, two elk, three elk, four elk that aren't gonna fight me. Correct. That fifth one's gonna fight me. Correct. That's the ratio you have Correct. that shit working Well, and, is and, my point.
1: And, and, that's, and, and that's generous because you cherry picked the people that you're wanting to talk to. Yeah. Go, <laughs> go to King Supers yeah. and see the guys in there or where, you know, it, the, the issue I have is, is okay, you're only looking at number one, it, perfect. You brought up Luke, UFC. If nothing else, it, for anybody out there, that watches UFC, think about what you're watching there because it absolutely translates on on the ground with elk. Here you have two combatants entering in the ring. Both of them are extremely confident. Both of them are extremely fit. Both of them are at the height of aggression. And literally, you just never know. No, you don't. You, you, all it takes what? is one wild hit, and boom. They, within 48 seconds, somebody connects a chin and folds like origami, and everybody's like, <gasps> what? Because you would never but expect it. In the wild, if that
2: dude just got hit and, and his ass kicked, are you going to bugle and call him in
1: in an hour? He just got his ass He just got his ass kicked. His ass kicked. It, it, that's the thing. It, it, the, the thing about bugle, and this is what I talk about from a behavior standpoint, with bull vocalizations is it is simultaneous. When we're talking about the more aggressive style bugles, that are, they are simultaneously supposed to be attractive to cows because it what it relays and that cows are attracted to. They, they want a, a, a mature individual because they're typically going to protect them and breed efficiently, number one. And number two, it's supposed to be also a deterrent to other bulls, and so when I hear people talk about, you know, going into the bar and, and, you know, rather than saying, who wants to fight me, and all the guys are going to be like, nah, screw you, dude, blowhard, well, you're going to go over, and you're going to talk to your female, and, you know, your your woman, you say, hey, why don't we go out, and and let's go screw in the back of the truck, well, of course, the guy's going to get up, and he's going to fight you. Bullshit, No, the vast majority of guys are not going to do that. They might stand up. They may be like, "Dude, what the fuck? Get get the." You might have a little bit of pushback. That's when you have
2: that two hundred yard distance of bugling back and forth that they never get fucking closer. Or or even if they're right
1: in your lap, you're like, "What the?" And you might lash out with vicious rhetoric. You may put yourself between you and your girl. The question is this: What girl are you with? Because. If you're just with the local town doorknob pump, pump, correct? Okay, maybe she would get up and be like, "Oh, okay, I'll go with you." In which case, do you are you going to risk defending that woman? <laughs> are, are you going to for that pussy? Sorry, if if you for that individual, the are, you is willing, a <laughs> uh, are, are you willing? Powerful thing. Are you going to go and risk it for? Uh, or are you going to be like, what the freaking, and, and vicious rhetoric, vicious rhetoric, vicious rhetoric, uh, whatever, piss, then fine, go with her, do whatever you want. 99% of guys are not going to fight because in if you're, if you're not with the town slut, if you're with someone who's bonded with you, who's chosen to be with you, like elk cows will choose their bull that they want to be with, that cow's going to be like, who the freaking hell are you? No. And so you both are going to get up. That bull, you, the 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 bull that she's with, are going to get up. You're going to stand between. The guys are like, "Hey, let's go screw in the back of the." T-. She is going to get up and be like, "Dude, what the frick? Is, just let's just get out of here." And the two of you are going to retreat away and leave and leave this jackass to be out there loud and going over to the other ladies. Like, "Oh, let's go screw." Behaviorally, it does no on the landscape. The risk of injury is great. Now, are there bulls that fight? Of course, there are. But when we're in a situation where we, what I would argue, a lot of our public ground over-the-counter areas, like you said and what we've talked about before, the the sex ratio and the the age class and the fact that they have an option to have a group of cows and retreat to safety is such that they might lash out with vicious rhetoric, but there's going to be a hell of a lot less likelihood that they're going to act on it and be stupid and put themselves at risk of a Let, fight.
2: Let's rewind in a calling scenario for people listening in and, and get your two cents. Because uh, one of the spiels I've always said was um, one, one of the main issues with blowing elk out, we'll use the bar scenario. You three, us three, go into a bar, okay? Who's going to get laid, right? Who's, who's Okay, so, so who's got the best game or who can call the best at the right time? Meaning, yep. you know, if you come in and you're a little bit timid, all right, you might get some chicks talking to you, and then they're just like, eh, "He's he's not an alpha," you know. He, but if you walk in and you're like, "Fuck me," yeah, no one's no going one. home with you. No one. So <laughs> when you hear, if you get in that scenario, one of the biggest downfalls of callers is they grab the hoochie or not the hoochie mama, the hyperlip single,
1: yeah, and yeah, hyper, yeah, crazy
2: ex girlfriend, yeah. Jesus, what's going on over there? Right, yeah. like you got to have some semblance of order. In the chaos, when you're calling, you have to be able to take a quick step back, analyze the situation. This is the only reason why I've killed shit is I'm like, okay, that bull's super pissed. I might be getting to call in, but more or, than or most, not even
1: or not even pissed, he's frantic. Yeah, yeah
2: he he's at a he, he's at a vulner, vulnerable point. To, to he call feels in. it.
1: Maybe he maybe and that's I didn't mean to interrupt, but because no, no. a lot a lot of times people are like, oh, I hear this type of bugle, I hear him screaming. Okay. That's because he's either confident. No, let me rephrase that. I would argue that many times it very well may be, especially if you're dealing with a younger age class bull, is because he is not confident. Yeah. And so he's putting a vocal signature on the landscape that sounds like he is. It, it, Which what is it, was, why it, was, a lot was,
2: of times those bulls come in and you're like, that's it. You know, it, the correct, one screaming his head up, you're like, Shit, That's it's a it?
1: five by six. Yeah, Great, Careful thou <laughs> dost protest too much. You yeah. know, you've know, you heard that where you're like, okay, dude, um, who are you trying to convince here? Because you're a little over the top. Well, and you're, mm. People
2: have said the loudest guy in the room is the weakest guy in the room. There you go. Elk are kind of like that. Because, they can be.
1: Because they're trying to compensate for their physical inadequ- inadequacies by overcompensating with the vibrato that they're putting on their vocal.
2: Well, and that happened to Cody and I on two different bulls. Screaming their head off, we sneak in, do the the typical. I'm 80 yards back, and I I bugle, not super aggressive. But he didn't give a shit. He was like, another bull. I'm out. Fuck that. Yeah, gone. Cody I'm... was like, what Jesus, was... dude. He goes, that was a perfect bugle. And I'm like, well, obviously, fucking not. Like what it was on the one time the the bulls come when you come down. There's a ridge line here, and it kind of loops, and a ridge line here, and a bull. He's on this ridge line. Perfect. He's probably not gonna drop straight down and straight up. So we side hilled it to where all he had to do was walk sure. over to me. Perfect. Perfect. And and I left a wide open area where I hooked over if he did cross in the opening, Cody would have a shot. None of this
1: fucking shit mattered. He ran away. So Did he have any cows with him?
2: I don't know. I don't think see, he
1: did. And see that's the thing, is it people overlooked the fact of what the again, what the bugle is what the vocalizations mean. It's supposed to be attractive to cows. He very well may be out there just trying to sound well, it, like the biggest man, I, the most I sh- mature bull on the mountain.
2: What I should have done is cow call. Correct. That was the problem. He
1: probably would have run you and over. I,
2: I, we got over there. I did cow call, like most dipshits, after the bugle. Done. Right. Yeah. You, so, yep. Same thing. Yep. But if I would have just went down there and I, not even an estrus, I know you don't call them estrus, but mm-hmm. a hyper bu- or cow call, if I would have just, yeah. I'm a cow and I'm here. He probably would have come over. No, like a fucking idiot. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. And he he bugled back. Running away.
1: Oh, it, so, okay, and this is what people, again, this is, uh, <laughs> well, well, no, I'm
2: bringing this up so you can make fun of me and no, fix it, because well, the it, first thing I thought of was, why the fuck didn't I cow call? <laughs> and, but that's the thing,
1: is everybody, not everybody, so many people do that. Well, it's and people,
2: ingrained in everyone's mind. Correct. With insider 80 bugle.
1: What you just showed, if and especially if that bull was over there by himself and he was out with vibrato, out there trying to make him seem seem like the greatest thing out there, the best man on the landscape. Uh, you know, any woman would want to be with me. He's probably insecure, and he's and if he is off on his own, he probably is somewhat immature. You just bugled, and then he heard cows. What did you just put in his head? Oh shit. There's, There's a, a bull. bull with cows. There's a bull that already <laughs> has cows. I don't have cows. He does have cows. Well, guess what? On the dominance hierarchy scale, he's probably more of a mature bull, or he's probably more of a Oh I bull. thought of all that after. He's yeah. He's already <laughs> got the cows. So oh shit. Uh, what did I just do? Oh crap. Uh, oh Sorry. Uh, didn't mean to get in your way. I'm gonna just. I'll retreat. Button hook around. Get up on the mountain. I'm gonna sit and listen to this scenario and figure out what the hell I just got myself into, or who just came into my bowl. Yeah. To where again? This is why I always talk. I don't mind if you people want to go and bugle. That's fine, but just put it. Try starting somewhere a little bit different. No, yeah, for that's you,
2: the reason why I brought it up. Was like
1: give him a lost muse. Say, hey, where you know I'm over here. Where are you? He would have been. Wah! I would yeah. if I needed to make any steps. I would start just hammering the assembly muse and say, come to me, and you have heard. here he comes through the timber we heard
2: that but it was going the other direction I uh well and as we're bringing up scenarios just of all the times where you look back and you're like why didn't I do this one one of the the other scenarios we 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 had and 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 this was a a weird year I would say for one of the strangest years I've seen because I know this unit and the the idiot raghorns running in wasn't happening uh, just you know the the satellite bulls that most people shoot and the raghorns, they weren't. Some came in because we we did. I did pass up a bunch of elk. But what was surprising is when you did get into that frenzy and the bull was screaming, the bulls were not. It's almost like they were. How would I put it? Lethargic. They just did not get super fired up. We'd we'd get into elk that had twenty cows. He just wasn't. He wasn't irate. I mean, they just never got that cranked up. Now. So a lot of it's my inability for calling. Like Mm -hmm. I'm always very careful for for calling and how I call and try to to think about things and make a plan rather than just start screaming on a call. But if you get into, oh, Mike and I had that giant, I don't know, 350-plus bull. He screamed broadside 80 yards in front of us the whole way, pushing his cows. Mike's calling. He's screaming back, right? Everything you would think would work. But at no time did he ever say, you know, I'm going to go ahead and leave these live elk mm, for that yeah. one, you know, down there. And that's where, again, what we called in was his satellite, you know, and I, I should have shot him. But a, a five by three, just a, like a coal bull, if there is such a thing. What was crazy, the coal bull, he came. He doesn't have any ass, right? He came yeah. straight because Mike was bugling and cow calling this bulls. Oh, like, OK. All right. You yeah. know, he's he's literally like, OK, I'm with one bull that I know. Can beat my ass. I'm gonna go down there and check out. I mean, Correct. he came. He doesn't know. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna at least go look. Right. I know I'm gonna get my ass kicked here. I might not down there. That bull, I might be able to sneak a cow from. He came straight down that other bull, just bugled and broadside, walked right up the rally, never, never stopped.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, and again, I mean, that's a, a, a why I hammer behavior so much, and and why I mean, I've got the content on the the website now, and I'm gonna be diving in and putting a whole. His pile of new content on there this year is, you know, without understanding what behavior is and, and why. I mean, again, cows choose the bulls, and cows want a mature bull, and a mature bull knows that the cows want him. So why in the hell am I going to go chase a cow when all I need to do is be me? If he's got a three fifty bull, he's he's a six, seven, eight year old bull. He obviously is more mature than anybody else on the landscape. I've got thirty cows here. These ladies have all chosen me. I hear you down the hill calling as a cow, you with this, some mystery bowl. I don't give a shit about the mystery bull, but Hey, we're up here. We're going over here. If you want to join me, join me. I'm, yeah. um, you know, that's what a man does. You know, you go, uh, you, you go to a bar with a whole bunch of kids. I don't know why we would, but a bunch of mature guys go into a bar with a whole bunch of younger, you know, idiot 20 year olds, you know, those guys are going to act differently. In in that if we want to stay with a bar scenario, the females in that in that room are going to notice the maturity yeah. and the confidence of an older age class individual. Now, obviously, you've got to behave appropriately, but in a in an animal world, that there is no, I mean, no, it doesn't matter. They're going to notice that that different level of maturity, and most of them are going to choose that. They're going to lean, they're going to gravitate towards that. And so they don't need to go chase, leave 50 cows, 30 cows to go try to find that one or two. No, all I need to do is keep doing what I do because, yeah, they'll, they'll get done with that guy and they'll, they'll come up and join me.
2: Well, and I think the elk kind of, I say evolve, but as time goes on, pressure gets more and more. You know, the elk will, they'll relocate. They'll definitely do that. Like an area that I, let's say eight years ago, elk go to the same spot every year that were definitely there. They're not there now. They're in a new spot every year. Their elk is still there, but they've moved their, you know, they've gotten pressured Core out area out. of operation. Yeah. And, and whether that be from four-wheeler traffic or hunting pressure, they just move to another habitat place they're, changes. Yeah, they're unbothered in this other area. Well, the, the thing with, with elk and, and, and again, like one of the surefire ways for the bugle scenario to work is split the cows. Mm-hmm. They'll come for that. I, I feel almost every time you get uh, a bull uh, split and you're between him and his cows, He's, he's probably coming in. Um, would, you, would you agree with Oh, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If you get to where you have a bull wandering around with his bravado, just screaming his head off, I think if you get close enough to that bull and you cow call, you'll probably kill him. Oh, yeah. Um, And that's one of the reasons cold calling works so well for immature bulls. Mm-hmm. Cold calling, occasionally you'll call in a big bull, but I don't think very often will you call in a big bull cold calling. I think you call in a lot of raghorns and a lot of satellite bulls. Would you Correct. agree yep. with
1: nope. that? Uh, on, on average, yes.
2: But if you're just wanting to shoot an elk, cold calling works great. If you're in the Correct. right area. Because when you're cold calling, you're not doing any... If you're doing it right, in my opinion, you're not doing anything dominant. You're just sounding like elk, right? Your buddy's up the hill. He's calling. Cody and I call, I don't know, 10 bulls in cold calling. Little guys. Spikes and 3 by 3s and shit. Anyway, when we cold call... He'll bugle, I'll cow call a little. He'll lost calf call, I'll cow call. We're just making herd talk. You know, when people ask me, what's my sequence? And I'm like, I just don't make any violent noises. I I literally just <laughs> sound like a group of elk, yeah. right? Would you agree it, or disagree? Uh,
1: yes, I, uh, yes, yes. If you, it, In all, layman's terms. <laughs> all things being equal, if 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 you're, if I am that more analytical guy, that's where if I'm going to make a vocalization, there's a reason for it. If you're just going to put, if you just quote unquote, want to sound like a group of elk, then I would lean your way than what other people do of, I want to sound like a quote unquote group of elk, but I'm going to have a jackass bull going ape shit yeah. out there. Now, let's skip that one. Let's lean towards what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. And that's when I say, meaning, you know, there is a little bit of a, a method to my madness, but overall, I try not to make any violent noises, meaning I don't want to sound too excited as a cow. I'm not going to estrus call 45 times in a row. Correct.
1: I'm not going to bugle super aggressively, but very often- So you're going to take what I would consider more of a passive, what you're talking about, if you're just talking about like a herd- We're here, just come check us out. You're you're a passive strategy, which is low key on the intensity scale to where there's not a lot of physical activity. Again, elk are going to vocalize when they're doing something, so if you're excited- then there's probably going to be a lot of excited movement as well. If you're low-key passive, there's not a lot of movement, which means they don't necessarily have to – or don't necessarily have the ability to stand back to 300 yards and look through the timber or whatever and see movement. Yeah. Well, that cow's not – Doing a lot, she's probably not moving a lot. To where I might not pick her up. I need to get closer to figure out where she is.
2: And and the bulls generally come in silent. Yes, Um or and, maybe they'll mew. Yeah, they're not. Eh. Yeah, I was gonna say not much aggressive. Mm-hmm.
1: Now I head have, up, curious ears forward. They're scanning the the, the landscape well, in front of them. It's funny you say that.
2: Like when we set up, because we're very methodical with how we set up, because. If you set up cold calling and you're in a wide open field, you ain't killing shit. Right? No. They're they're going to come out and poke their head and be like, there ain't no fucking elk here, and they're going to turn around and walk off. It's usually we're in thicker timber where there's just a little opening in front of us where they have to come in that opening, and we use the terrain around us. We'll cock block them with a cliff behind us, whatever we got to do to get them in front of us. The thing is is when those bulls come out like you talked about, they take a step and they literally come out in the open, ears forward, and they're like – and they're looking around, and occasionally – they'll bugle. Mm -hmm. Hey, where are you? Where are you? Yeah. At that point in time, you have very few. I'll be interested to get your take on this. You don't have a lot of fucking options at that point because they want to see a cow and they're not going to. They're coming to an an area where they just heard elk and they're not seeing them. You don't have a lot of time at that point before they get the, the fuck out. Like they're literally again, this is just my experience, but they're scanning, they're looking. They're not coming much farther into that opening because they know there should be elk there.
1: Oh yeah, it, it, it this is where you know I lean heavy on talking about setups and, and why I talk about the doorway principle and no if, if you've set up on the edge of that opening you've set yourself up for failure. Now if well, he, if he comes set if, it up
2: for a twenty yard shot, the,
1: yeah. Well, yeah. So <laughs> it, so if he comes in from the opposite side of the opening and steps out in the opening, you're, you you've got. I hope your setup is good in such that. If you make another vocalization, he cannot see well behind you, mm-hmm. to where he's got to either come through the meadow, unlikely, or he's going to go around and, and sneak
2: through. That's how we did it, to where he would round. Yeah. Kobe. So
1: if you have your if you if you've planned your setup and, and 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 chosen your setup adequately, yes, he will step out. He will look. He will scan. He might bugle, try to get a response. In that case, you know, I talk about the continuity of calling and, and maintaining that flow, but sometimes, all me, my opinion, that's where all I'm going to do is just maybe hit him with assembly move and says, I want you to come to me. He do, At this point, he's standing there. He's not seeing movement. He's not seeing animals. Okay, he's not seeing animals. They stopped making a lot of racket. Why? did? Is there danger over there and everybody's just... Keeping their mouth shut and they're all staring at something and, and nervous, or did they just leave? And so if I need to give him a vocalization, I need to give him a vocalization that's going to say, "No, we're still here, but we're just hanging out. We're still we're, we're 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 settled. You know what? Maybe we're settled in this spot. I'm not going to give a loss, you. I'm not going to give a, an excited. I'm just going to give him one assembly music. Come to me. Yeah. That tells him, oh, oh no no no, they're over there. Okay." oh, all right, and most of the time they're just going to – you watch their whole demeanor relax and be like, oh, and they just here they come. Here they come walking over.
2: And what I've seen, and a lot of times what we'll do depending is we'll stop calling totally if he looks like he's going to roam because he will win.
1: Oh, yeah, if he's curious and he's seeking and he's actively seeking, well, then just let him go. Literally,
2: what we'll do because of the wind and how we set up is, okay, he just came out in the opening and Frank's below me. Wind's blowing down. Oh, Perfect. So and you guys I,
1: are separated anyway. Yeah, and Cody oh, yeah, and I yeah, did the yeah,
2: same yeah. thing, and that's how we were able to call in so many, and we could see each other
1: or text. Quit playing with your boner over there. Um,
2: <laughs> when that bull would come out and he's looking, we would generally quiet and because immediately he's like, all right, I'm just going to circle downwind and figure this out. Right to me or Cody because he's going he's to smell. Mm-hmm. All of these setups, though, are very critical. Don't set up in one single patch in an opening. Not going to work. When you talk about back cover, you have – got to have a lot of cover behind to where they're like there could still be a cow back there i can't see if it's aspens it ain't fucking working because they can see (laughs) through the aspens and they're going to be like that's the one time where i get the uh the challenge bark whatever you want to call it the oh yeah you know if you're set up in an area where there stood could still be potentially elk back there they'll start barking and it's not yeah. to get the hell out of town. Bark. It's the where show yourself. Your, show yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Are you guys using a uh, decoys or the, like the predator, uh, Danny Ferris's thing, ultimate predator or the uh, Montana.
2: We used it some. And what was, what was funny is like when you get young elk with that decoy, they run like And Danny's tipped the ear forward. Dude, I did that once and it was on my bow and, and, and I literally, I've got it set up where I'm in a patch of trees and I popped the head out and went and popped that ear forward. Now, it was a spike, basically. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, that bug got run over. And that's all it took. He was like, "Oh, it's alive!" and just yeah. flew through. Would that work on a three seventy bull? Probably not.
1: But well, and, 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 yeah, we could. I mean, I, I like Danny. I, I, a, I like Danny, and I like the decoy. Um, I played around with it when the original folks owned it, and they came out with it, and I tested it quite a bit, and especially down in Arizona. And and no, it's a legitimate decoy. In my experience, it really. It, it definitely works great for the younger age class animals that are that want to have some uh, company and that are eager to be with someone. Um, it absolutely if you can throw some movement in that ear. Oh freaking yeah yeah. The issue that I had that I saw on mature bulls was <clears throat> they would come out and see it, and that's exactly what they'd say. It, it basically, they'd be like, "All right, I'm here. Why am I not seeing your ear move? Yeah. Why are you not moving your head? Why are you not why are, why why are you static? You know alarm because it is an alarm position, the head the head is erect and the ears are forward. That is a that is a, a high alert uh, body posture. What I saw it worked really well on is if you want to move in on a group, yeah, and you're active and, and walking towards them, oh hell, it is incredibly. effective it, it does give
2: you a little bit of extra time when you I think when you go to full draw. That's probably the, right. It's the,
1: just to hold them there to looking. Just enough.
2: Like they just saw movement, this cow popped up.
1: See, I, I lean, and again, I love Danny. To, I, I consider him a friend, and I love his product. I mean, he bought the company. I, I love his product, and I, I think he's, he, I, I, It's yeah, I love the product. I always lean heavy on the setup. Yes. And so to what you were saying there is, you know, I've got plenty of examples on the elk module where I, I'm literally in the wide open. I mean, like legitimately wide open. I'm 10 feet from the nearest tree, and yet still animals are coming my way. Why? Strategically timing when I'm calling and then strategically using the right vocalization, because yes, if you just throw out random cow vocalization, I don't even care about bugles right now, you throw out random cow vocalizations, again, you're painting a picture in their mind, and if you're throwing out random, you know, like using lost muse and that type of stuff, well, then you're, you're, you're giving the impression that there's an animal over there that's seeking, and if that animal's over there seeking, they're looking for someone, which often means that they're either going to be, they might be stationary for a little bit, but they're likely to move, and they're seeking, which means they're seeking, and they cannot see the individual they're seeking, so there must be someone else out there on the broader landscape to where a younger individual animal like you were talking about absolutely is like, oh, well, maybe I'll just swing around and try to get downwind because I want to try to figure out where this other mystery animal is as well, whereas what I will do is, again, rather than just throwing the random vocalizations out there, I'm going to say, I'm going to hit an assembly mute. I don't want you to seek. I don't want you. I'm not... I'm not asking for a response. I'm just telling you exactly what I want you to do. Come to me because they want to they they want to be in close proximity to each other. And all things being equal, they'd rather see him. If they can't see him, they'll hear him and then if neither one of those things work, they'll default to their nose. But if I can give him a direct command, most of the time, they'll just come straight in, and I can avoid them swinging downwind. So you can use a little bit smaller cover if you're if that's the situation that you're in, as long as you call strategically. But if you're just going to sound like a bunch of elk, then they're going to think there's a bunch of elk, and if they think there's a bunch of elk, there better be enough cover to hide that bunch of elk. Otherwise, yeah, they they have no choice but to come in with a wind in their face.
2: And that's definitely how we set up when we're just sounding like a group of elk. Like I said, we cock block them in the back. We make sure they have to circle down to another shooter, and you have to be methodical about that. Otherwise, you might see elk calling them in, but they're not going to come close enough, or they're or they're going to be pretty wound for sound when they come in. And I, by no means, am like a, a calling expert, but when you talked about setup, the the setup when you're calling, um, when I say that, meaning the shooter isn't as important other than he has he can shoot um, and where he's at a, according to the caller. So. Ish. Yeah, yeah, and and it is a fairly big-ish, meaning if the shooter has enough cover to draw his bow back and it's conducive for the elk and easy for him to circle downwind to the shooter— I don't worry about exactly where the shooter is as long as he can get a, sh- a shot off and it's to where there's an opening when he circles down.
1: Yeah, what I would talk about, that, that shooter needs to be in some, either in the, in the doorway where that bull is going to come and pause and look, or he's got to be in at least the hallway where he's going to walk through. You, you, it, the thing that, you know, what, what people need to pay, pay attention to, and, and I'm going to be talking a little bit more about this this year, is, okay, let's spend some time watching some of the YouTube videos. It's a great learning tool. Because you get to watch elk interactions unfold in front of you by a variety of different tactics and techniques and, and habitats and all encounters, uh, in, in and one thing that you'll see a lot is okay, the the, the caller's a hundred yards behind, the shooter is there, the cameraman's with the shooter. How many of those videos are you watching? And they're trying to snake a shot through cover at thirty plus yards, forty yards. They're trying to get a forty-yard shot on this animal. And they're like, oh man, that thing came running. If the caller is 100 yards behind you, and you're trying to shoot him at 40 yards in front of you, that animal's 140 yards from the calling action. How aggressive is he really coming in? You know what I mean? Watch their body language. Watch what they're doing. Watch it because you can learn so much about that. Like we're talking about the head up, the ears forward. Yeah, he might be bugling. He's trying he's seeking. He's looking. Where are you? And he's still trying to figure out where you are and what's going on down there. So yeah, no, I put if you guys could separate, that's awesome. And yes, I hear what you're saying. It the collar becomes much the collar and the caller location becomes much more important because that caller is the one that has to, I think, pull or manipulate that bull into the right doorway. But I would I would I would always recommend if you can put the shoot if you can put the shooter in the good doorway to start, and then have the callers back. It's a dead animal. Yeah, it's a dead animal.
2: When, and what was weird this year, extremely weird, like when it snowed, we were tracking them. Okay, we would track these herds, and and you've seen the terrain back there. We would get them; they would be in these aspen groves feeding because that's where the feed was, right? With the snow, we snuck up on one herd, and we got. Well, I had Cody. I'm like Cody, sneak up here and shoot this bull. I can't. I had a recurve, you know. I can't hit it from here. And I I looked and I was like, dude, it's it's just a raghorn. There's got to be a big bull in there somewhere, right? Well, you would think inside of 60 yards, what would you do, right? Just and when I'm saying that, they're just feeding. Okay, there's snow on the ground, fresh snow. We sneak in, you know, because it's quiet, right? And we get within 60 yards. What I did didn't work. Um, so I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally, we got that close. The first time we did it, I'm like, there's got to be a, a bull around here. I'm just going to cow call and shit swing up and take a look. Dude, there was. He he did an assembly, whatever the fuck bulls do. What's what's that called? The, the herd, you know, everybody get together. It's like an assembly call. What the hell is that? Well, are you talking
1: about glunking? No, no, no. Going, no, gl- no. No, no, gl- no. If
2: they was glunking, he probably would have been dead. No, he yeah. just made this weird sounding bugle, gathered everybody up and got the fuck out. Was it my cow call? I have no idea. What I'm assuming happened is we got so close in an area that he should have seen or known there was a bull there. I was behind one piece of cover when I called. They all looked up. They didn't see anything and they got out. I, it, it, I was how many not other people? How many
1: other people were out in the area? Not many. Oh.
2: No, it wasn't a pressure thing. It could have been my. It's and pretty your cow hard. Called? And it's pretty hard to screw up an assembly mew. <laughs> so I mean, it's not. I'm assuming I called right, right? I've been calling my whole life. I literally, Cody looked at me and was like, what the fuck just happened? And I'm like, dude, I didn't even, I mean, I didn't call aggressive. I literally just, you know, and they looked up and they gave it like 15 seconds. And we're like, we don't see a cow. And they just, they didn't run. They just walked off. It was some of the strangest shit I've ever seen elk hunting
1: It'd be interesting to know what other bulls and stuff. are, You know, yeah, it's there's that's the thing. That's why I love geeking out on this stuff because there's so many different variables. I mean, it's it's one thing. It, was this a, just a little feeding meadow, or was there a little no, wallow or a, water there? Or? There's a
2: wallow and a giant aspen uh, grove, and we were on a
1: flat bench above. Dropped we're, in where they bed. Up okay, high. were there were there other. Bulls and cows in the area?
2: Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, the one thing a lot of people, especially around wallows and and water sources, what we've seen or I've seen is you will get animals that don't – they've already established their pecking order. They've they've come to grips with, these are my cows. Those are your cows. I'm good with that. You just keep yourself to yourself. I'll keep myself to myself. Our cows are good to be – and they will just literally segregate themselves, and they'll take turns at that water source to where one group is there but another group will just sit there off in the wings and waiting.
2: 20 yards from the wallow, probably. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons why we knew to check there first for, yeah. for tracks. It was strange because in, of course, in a perfect, you know, scenario or whatever, it's a, a at least a raghorn comes running in to check it out. It literally, because I did something so mild, it shouldn't have caused any reaction other than maybe a call back. And they literally just looked up, kind of gathered together and, Walked
1: off. I wonder if they're used to having other elk in the area, or maybe they're a, a less a, a, a more submissive or sub, subordinate group, to where they heard that sound and they thought, "Oh shit! Well, I guess the other guys are coming in. Well, let's, let's just give them some space and let's just move on out of they here." They didn't and, blow out. Yeah, they, they just, just moved just off. Walked off. They gave you they they gave that space and they just said, "All right, well, we're, I'll, we'll work out."
2: Yeah, it was irritating actually, and that <laughs> happened. We we uh. Uh, man, I'm tra- well, Cody's bull, Cody shot at a bull, uh, and it was 10 degrees, freezing cold, like a foot of snow. His arrow rest was frozen to his riser. It was not a good situation. But we were on two bulls, multiple cows. The one bull comes out, and he's like 300. And, you know, this is, um, we're not in the best situation of the setup, meaning not a lot of cover, but enough. And it was crazy because the big bull came to the right. And, and totally showed himself we didn't have enough time for a shot. And then five minutes later, there's a bull coming to the left and circling up. Well, what we had found out later from the tracks, the bull that came up Cody took a shot at was a satellite bull. I think that big bull was just like, something doesn't seem totally right. Get up there and check it out, Bill. And, yeah. and sent Bill out. Yep. Yeah. And and Bill came <laughs> in, and then, and then Dave just hanging down the hill waiting to see. And if Bill doesn't if there's nothing alarming that happens that bull would have come up i would guess and see what was what was strange is again five cows what you would would expect six cows cows never made a peep they stayed bedded for the most part because we snuck in on these but literally the moment that bill hooked around and we took a shot you know i don't know that dave was more than 50 yards down the hill from us we couldn't see him i think dave sent bill up to die and then once we took the shot, Dave was like, "Yep, sure shit. There's a hunter up there and got the fuck out." What was weird though, or not weird, but something to think about is when we were calling. Obviously, that herd bull and the, the dominance. How would you you know how would you kill that bull, right? Obviously, he's yeah. sending he's sending you know Dave in to die or whatever. Yeah,
1: he's he's not respond in that herd dynamic. He clearly showed that younger bull that. Mm. Go ahead if you want. I, I'm not interested right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm just gonna do my thing. So yeah, you do you. What if you want to go run after him, little guy? Yeah, go for it.
2: And that's what he did because he kept the cows with him. You could see the beds and everything else, like where they were at. This was close proximity, but it was it was fucking cold and it, the yeah. snow was quiet. It was literally when Cody went to draw back, I had to break his rest free of the riser. Get that's how cold it was. Um, but it was it's just a learning thing because I'm like fuck, I don't know that we could have killed him. he was happy with the bulls and, he had and just said and hey, used, go and, ahead check it out
1: and, and full-on disclosure I, I I have to t- I have to uh, make a correction on what I used to believe in I, I used to talk about the fact that I in the in the past I thought that with calling them right and using the right vocalizations and strategies you can call in any bull. I don't think that's true I don't I don't think that's true now let me rephrase that. In that moment, yeah. I don't think that's true. Now, g- give it two weeks, then well, okay, maybe maybe we're back back in the game, but it, people over and, and I don't want to try to make it seem like these animals are these magical, mystical creatures that can't be figured out. No, I, I think you can give it, can figure them out, but I but I also don't subscribe to the ideology that they're they're just run by testosterone. They're just these mindless animals that just run their lives by emotion and testosterone. That is, that is, that is not it. Not in my experience. That is not it at See, all.
2: I, I would have argued with you 10 years ago, but I wouldn't argue with you now. It, <laughs> and the re, And the
1: reason why it, because what you just said, it, is absolute i've seen that repeatedly but the really awesome thing is i've actually seen the opposite to be the 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 antithesis to that to be true as well see how i put that word in there i've been wanting to use that spell it? just kidding of, i can't spell it <laughs> yeah. um antithesis um in unit one so i had a unit one tag uh back in 2009 and killed a really great bull um and this, the scenario with this one is I was up on that hill glassing There was a big group of bulls in front of me They were all a little bit smaller than what I wanted They were all great, great bulls uh, But I was looking for a 350 class or better uh, 12 years, you know, prefer, you know, 12 preference points I, I wanted a 350 or better And I, and in this year, every bull that was in there Had massive fronts, decent thirds, okay fourth And they had nothing for fifths And, and so everything was about that 320 to 330 range And I was like, alright, I just need to find a bull That's got big backs and sure enough, here he comes. And this bull actually came out of Utah, jumped the fence, and started walking back into Colorado and, and heading our way, several several hundred yards out there. And I'm glassing. I hear a bugle. I look. Here he is. I just whale ta- Just massive whale tails. I'm like, you're dead. He's with two other bulls, and both those bulls are probably three, maybe three ten ish or so, maybe three twenty. Um, and the three of them are traveling together, no cows, nothing, but you can hear by the way he's vocalizing, he's looking for cows. I'm like, okay, well, it's morning, Uh, it starts to get a little bit later, and they're out there feeding, bugling, feeding, bugling, and they decide to bet down, and I'm like, this bull is dead. If I can at least get the wind right and I can get on him, this bull's dead. He's looking for cows, he's by himself, he's been cranking off. I'm between him and where all the other elk are, this is a done fricking deal, and so I spent the rest of this. So they bedded down under this little pack, uh, little pocket. You couldn't glass them where they were bedded, but you just knew kind of the area that they disappeared into. And so I spent the rest of the day going through maps, and, and this is before Onyx and all that crap. And then so I'm just looking at hard maps and everything else, and figuring out what the wind is doing. And long story short, I get set up that evening, try to get in. I got to within about two, three hundred yards where I thought they had bedded down. Just flat out gave them a couple lost mews. Bam. All three of those bulls just, rip. they were out of their bed like right now. And they're literally, and I did not have a camera at the time, which just sucks because it would have been awesome footage. All three of them le- just basically, boom, out of their bed, bam. And they're standing, one, two, three, my bull, the big bull in the middle, flanked by the two younger bulls. And they are just heads up, ears forward, locked in on my location. I mean, again, they can pinpoint your location extremely well. They're still 250 300 yards out. All three of them locked in looking. And so I just gave it a couple seconds and I hit him with an assembly mew. And to your point, Aaron, the the dynamic between a mature bull and the younger bulls, what that mature bull will allow those younger younger bulls to do or not allow those bulls to do because if they're in a group and 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 they've spent some time around each other, they know that dynamic, and I will never, ever forget this image. Stood up, and if I remember right, he, he bugled. I gave him an assembly mew, and the bull on his right, which would be my left, just like you could see his demeanor was like, oh, oh she's there, and he take he, you could see him go to take a step forward, and the mature bull just kind of just literally just real quick just gave him a sideways glance just kind of tipped, tipped his antlers, gave him a sideward, just real quick sideward glance, and that younger bull just, stop. Mature bull just walked right out from between the other two, and that bull, those two bull, the younger bulls, stayed about 50 to 100 yards back behind that mature bull. That mature bull walked all the way in. I killed him from here to the wall. I mean, he literally put his head down and was about to rub, you know, basically rake the juniper I was standing behind, and it, literally, I'm, sitting here trying to figure out which way I'm going to draw, and he breaks to the right. And I just freaking whip around, draw back, and I i mean, the arrow probably didn't even stabilize coming out of the riser. He was so close. But the interesting thing about that was is the younger bull was eager and wanted to come forward, and it was just a half, I mean, just this, just this such a, a minuscule little look, motion. The other two bulls were, oh, okay, not our play. It's him, and he just, this is mine He didn't have to say anything. Didn't have to get aggressive. He just no, mine, and he's the one who responded. So absolutely, there's those situations where you're getting into you know where a a mature bull, or it it doesn't even have to mature bull, Uh, the uh, the 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 older age class bull, or the more confident bull in the situation that is bonded with those cows. There are times where he's like, I'm good. You guys do what you want to do. I'm 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 not going to respond to this calling situation. I'm just I'm just not. I'm just I don't care.
2: No, and I'm, that's a hundred percent, you know, true. that The thing is that, out of everything we're talking about, on an OTC tag for somebody coming out here, if you experience any of this one time in ten days, you're doing pretty good. Like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like this isn't, and I'm only saying this, and I'm, I'm sure there's people listening saying, "Oh, I've got a spot," and I'm, I'm proud of you. But for most people, mm-hmm. the the chances of all of this happening uh, one time on a 10 day hunt is, is good. More than that is, it's just not going to happen very often on an OTC tag. Now you might find a honey hole and then that's totally other. Aliqu- but I mean, if you're just showing up out in Colorado, the, the chances of getting into a lot of the different action we're talking about multiple times is very slim. Generally it happens one time in 10 days.
1: If, and again, I'm not trying to pat us all on the back here, but if you don't internalize what we're talking about and try to practice it if you if you are smarter about your clear goals abilities what you want to do you've chosen your, you, you you know your limitations and your value set and what you want to experience you've chosen a hunting area based off of that and then you go into that area and you operate on the landscape wisely you're going to just drastically increase the likelihood of multiple iterations of these types of experiences.
2: And a lot of that is too, you're not blowing
1: them out. Bingo. I was just going to say that. That's exactly (laughs) it. If you, if you, if you go into these scenarios with a little bit of brain power, you can come in. And again, my philosophy, start low, build up. If you come in and you do not – say the, the, the calling scenario doesn't work. They, they don't respond. Okay, that's fine. If I do not change their underlying behavior on the landscape in that area, fine. I don't care. I, I back out. Come back that evening. It didn't work again? Okay, fine. That didn't work. Okay, I wait. I'll go back. I'll come back in the next morning. If I'm not blowing them out, I'm, I'm not changing their their underlying behavior on the landscape, feeding structure, loc- you know activity you know centers – I have multiple opportunities to come back in and try again. Versus, I just blew them the shit and hell off the mountain, and well, now what?
2: And that's one of the reasons, you know. And I've made jokes about the Long Walker or the, the Prefontaine, the dude that fig- feels, I'm here. I have to hunt all day to get the most out of my hunt. To be, that is yeah. bad advice because the wind is bad. Correct. And, and and that's one thing in many areas. In many areas, if you're in the uh, up by tree line, you do get better upwind mm-hmm. during the day then you you know it, it is it, it is better than other areas but if if you've got swirling wind and you're like you know what I just got to give it the best effort I've got the best effort you've got is sleep at camp and then hunt in the afternoon when the wind gets more consistent because you're 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 scenting up the area but in multiple directions, and the elk are going to get out of the country, and you're going to have to move to find them if you try. I'm not a big fan of hunting all day is what I'm leading up to. Yeah, no, no, um, no, correct, and I, and I think there's I some— say hunting walking all day. Yeah, no, there,
1: there's and there's some YouTube videos out there that have demonstrated this, you know, as this is the tactic to employ. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. In many of our habitats, it is very, in my opinion— unwise to just be going across the landscape, going through some of these areas, bugling, because even if you don't get a response, that elk might, those elk might be there. Again, you're you're supposed to be pretending to be an elk. And if they're not bugling and everybody's bedded down, what the hell are you doing? Who you know, so even if if they don't respond to you, it doesn't mean that they're not there and it doesn't mean that they haven't noticed. They they very well may have noticed and be like, what is good? That's not Normal. That's not what an elk should be doing. So I'm leery about what this scenario is. So even three, four hours later, come evening, they still may be like, hmm, something was weird over there. I'm not going to go up that normal avalanche chute to go out and feed like I normally do. We're not going to go out to that beaver meadow like we normally do. How about we just kind of maybe stay back a little bit, and let's just see what happens and be a little safe. You may just alter their movement in their pattern just a couple hours and then you not knowing any better like well there's no elk here i'm out yeah you just walked right by you 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 walked into them you were a little off from what they what an elk should have been doing even if they don't smell you if they smell you of course you're done but even if they don't smell you now you you change their behavior you cause them to delay now you've completely missed them and now they're they're now they are worried about maybe there is somebody on the landscape and maybe we do need to be careful.
2: Yeah. Well, and and that happened actually where Cody and I were this year. Just when I say that happened, meaning there we knew elk were they were there. We, you know, were they making noise? Not much. I mean, it it kind of sucked. And so being cognizant of that and where to move and you know. If you're going to move, don't move in areas where you know they're, they're probably at. Because the thing is, is especially when you deal with wind, you're not going to know, you know, they've moved far before you know they were even there, right? If that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Um, but, you know, how, how, how do you combat that? I mean, there's a few different, you know, ways. But when the wind is bad, you just, I just don't move, right? Yeah, I just it, hang out.
1: Again, it, again it, now, is this the last day of your hunt? I mean, and, and you've really got to try to get something done. Okay, if that's the case, then from your standpoint and your tactic, okay, maybe so. I mean, I, I had a buddy of mine that, you know, he, he had to employ an aggressive strategy to try to make something happen because they had to leave the next day, and it almost worked for him, but it literally blew that herd bull and all his cows out of the valley, and those animals never because I was down there the, most of the season, they never came back in that valley for three weeks, so... Y- Understanding, and and again, this is why I, I harp on being smart, being a better, more intelligent practitioner on the landscape is because, yes, you may not be the guy blowing them off the mountain, but there are other people there, and they may have bumped them a time or two, and that next one may be the final straw that broke the camel's back to where they're like, screw a bunch of this. Don't be that guy or gal. Yeah. And, and don't be the guy and gal so that you blow them out, but more importantly, with us being on the landscape, again, we talked about the last one, just trying to be considerate of other people and, and understanding other people and other value sets and other needs. Don't be the guy that or gal that comes in there and just absolutely sets everyone else up on the mountain for failure. Yeah. You know?
2: On that note, because we've been on too long before we go, um, say, <laughs> we what would you say pick for elk hunting the three mistakes most people make?
1: Uh, well, jumping into an aggressive strategy from an elk calling. Did you ask, oh, sorry, elk hunting or elk calling?
2: Uh, elk hunting in general. Okay. So, and a little bit of everything.
1: Well, yeah, then, geez, old Pete. Probably not finding, a, 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 finding a, an area to hunt in that, that they can operate in efficiently. But really, not, a lot of guys are, are jumping in, in my opinion, jumping into an aggressive strategy way too fast, way too often. Mm-hmm. Not... Understanding what the doorway is mm. and where your setups are and why that's so critical. And then number three, not letting that your strategy play out long enough. I've heard you talk about this and it's, it's perfect, where sometimes you've said and, and it's 45 minutes later that the animals show up. You didn't move, they, they, they showed up 45 minutes later. I've got plenty of video to show you where the animals are standing there and it may take, I've got, I'm working on one now. It's the four hour call in. It took me four hours four hours to work these animals, and I put him 15 yards broadside. A lot of people are, they, they're they just too impatient. They're not looking critically on the landscape, and they're not giving their, you know, so they're they're—they're using an aggressive strategy because they're trying to make something happen. They're not getting their setups right to allow, if an elk does come in, that they have a good shot opportunity. And then even if they got all those those two things right, they're just not giving the elk enough time to actually respond and come Yeah, we
2: watched one bull we called, and he didn't come all the way in, but he came from half a mile away. And and he'd look up, feed, walk, look up, feed, walk. He, he And he eventually—the only thing that killed us was the wind. We we actually—by the time he got there, we backed out because yeah. we are like, well, fuck, he's going to win this anyway. But he came from, I mean, as far away as you could— See, I mean, he came from a long ways away. But in the cold calling thing, what's funny is it's 30 to 45 minutes is normally how long they take to, to come in. And you think about that, those are younger, dumber bulls, the, the smarter ones. I mean, I we've seen it happen where, you know, getting them to come in and, and getting them to commit, they'll commit a ways and then disinterest, maybe you make a bad call and they'll just kind of – they don't run away. They're just like, yeah something's not, something's not right or, you know, whatever that is. But – the overcalling is one, you know. Two, and and maybe not this is the top three, but I would say your campsite. Um, no, that's a fair one. Is is a, is is critical, right? You you camp in the elk, you're not going to have elk around or deer. Um, and then and the next one is just not under not being able to take a step back and assess the situation w- when the situation um you know presents itself. Meaning, oh Jesus, that elk bugle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Slow know, down. stop and think about. You know, if everything was going fine before the estrus call, maybe you shouldn't throw it in there, right? I mean, you know. Well, if like it I was said earlier,
1: continuity of calling. What, yeah. what, What is that? What's that flow? Keep that. Yeah. It's the buzzword now. Oh, flow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> Let, let's let's go ahead and embrace it. Flow. Let the flow. Just go with the and flow. I, and I always say, like,
2: you know, when you're trying to pick up a chick, right, or a chick's picking up a dude, if in the middle of your 15-minute spiel, everything's going smooth, all of a sudden you're like, you know what? You got big titties. <laughs> You just fucked it up, yes, right? I mean, yes. why did you change what was working? You had fifteen minutes of gold for two seconds of ignorance.
1: Let it exactly. So, let's just let this play out. Yeah,
2: and so when it, when you have things working right, and you get a bull the bugle off a mild cow call, just a, when I say mild, sure, just a normal cow call or a little bit of cow calf talk, and you get something to why all of a sudden why you're like, you? well, fuck, let's throw in some yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. Y- what was working, you you? It's just you, you've just thrown something in that you know is not maybe not going to work, and it's no different. I always equate it to people. If you're talking to a chick and it's going well, don't change it, right? Like if if she's into to CrossFit, keep talking about CrossFit, right? Like why all of a sudden would you be like, you know, I really love artwork? i like, <laughs> what the fuck? fucking nerd?
0: Yeah, or, or, nerd.
1: Or or if, or if or more importantly, let's just make this a little bit more realistic. If she's talking about artwork, don't jump into how much you love CrossFit. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Or yeah,
2: <laughs> and and that's like what, and it's a no different. Like um uh, we when you and you see this all the time. and we saw it with one calling sequence, with we got in there late, and and, and there was people, you know, calling, and everything was working. To these, I was like, these these guys are going to kill a bull. I I, you know, and it literally. Where they were set up, where the bull was coming in, we could we could see the elk coming in, and the bulls coming the entire way off of them, literally just
1: yeah yeah,
2: just little bugle, little cow call, little calf talk, and he's just coming down with his cows early in the season to see what's going on. The bull gets close and he bugles. That was the God. smartest thing the bull could have done because God immediately they're like, sweet Jesus, it's working. Where? Yeah. <laughs> and i was like well, that's done because it's the cra- it's like a, a bull moose Where, where's your button yeah. <laughs> when the bull moose is coming and he's glunking step for step don't call he's he's Just, he's on his way because it's like the crazy ex-girlfriend and he's like what the hell's going on down there right well if everything was it was so funny because literally everything was working in these guys favor yeah. we're watching these elk come down through this aspen grove He's literally not, not running, but he's like, well, check this shit out, right? Like, I'm going to see what's all down there. It's early in the season. That happens more early in the season than it does later. The moment that bull bugled, I was literally like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> Let's see what happens. And immediately you could see him reaching for that freaking estrus call.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And that bull, you see him pop his head up like, I didn't come down for that. There's yeah. some weird shit going on down there and just right back up the mountain. But, and, and again, that's assessing what had worked for you for the last 15 minutes. You just
1: decided all of a sudden, fuck that plan. Let's go with this other one. (laughs) And Yeah. And I've got a similar scenario there to where not only what you were doing was working, but even how about what you, what wasn't working? Why am I going to keep doing it? I killed a bull, um, over in one of our areas what you're familiar with. Um, Way back up in two o'clock in the afternoon, all of a sudden these two bulls start bugle, and I'm like, "Oh, you're, you're dead." At two yeah. o'clock in the afternoon, and I've got predictable winds, and you bugle on your own. Yeah, bye bye. One of you is gonna take a trip down the mountain, and so I get in there. Sure enough, he's a good enough six by six. Twack, dead, boom. But his his the the other bull that's with him was bugling now this is thick cover you know just yeah. bet you good Betty cover so my bowl tips over I go over I I'm doing all my little hero shots and gripping grins and start process meanwhile the other bull is like 50 to 8 between he's just going around loops around he's got to be able to smell me yeah but he smells his buddy laying there and he's just bugling just bugling and I'm and I, I stop a couple times I'm like I'll throw a couple calls at you just I want to see it but I yeah. never I had my done and I'm wasn't gonna worry about it. Well, all of a sudden, here's a hunter down, the, and you could tell it was a hunter. It was not a quality bugle. We you, so you have a bull in the middle of the day bugling on his own. Here he comes up, and this guy's wow! Now down the hill, this bull, the real bull, sounds off. A couple minutes later, much closer, wow! Here's the bull, here's the the hunter mm-hmm. blowing the bugle. All of a sudden, now. The real bull doesn't bugle, and I can hear him. Yeah. And he's just he's not running. All he's doing is just moving away, and he's just moving up the slope, and he's dead quiet. The hunter bugles, nothing. Hunter bugles, nothing. Hunter bugles, nothing. Hunter bugles again a couple minutes later, and he's back down the hill. Hunter bugles again, he's back down the hill. It's quiet. Real bull. Bugles. here he comes back down now he's 50 yards back behind me hunter hears it again here comes the other guy up the hill he comes again Wah! blowing the bugle this bull bugles Wah! this guy and here he comes marching the hunter comes marching up the hill again blowing the bugle bull there he goes yeah <laughs> retreats back up the hill dead quiet the hunt. this literally went on i think three or four times and i finally just flat out across the landscape i'm like Dude, just give him a cow call. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just freaking yelled. Oh. Guy just obviously, obviously, yeah. the guy heard me and just he left. He just goes back down the hill. Bull comes back down the hill. And just <laughs> I, I'm finishing up. Just quartering my animal. Wah, the bull bugles again. I'm like, good. Dude, you could have killed this thing like three or four times. He oh. wanted to die. Just if it's it, – oh, anyway, we could talk for – Six more hours, buddy. I I gotta pee and I gotta go. I've got a sick five and a half hour drive ahead of me. Well,
2: man, we appreciate you coming in, and this is actually a pretty informational podcast on elk calling. Which La- is, last which is, one, uh, we
1: we went off into some philosophical weeds that I don't even know if made sense. I, I figured before we we get inundated inundated by the people lashing out at us, we we just regroup and come back and have a constructive yeah, one. Yeah,
2: this one was yeah, this one was good, and uh, you know, for for everybody you know, listening that actually paid attention to all of this. There is nothing wrong with the way that, that, that Corey or, or no. Phelps or Jay. No. But that is a style that you have to choose for yourself if that's the way you want to, to elk hunt. And, and if that's the way you want to do it, perfect that method. Um, but if that, if, if that's not your method, then, then you definitely, if you're going to emulate someone, emulate someone that's like your mentality and then try to perfect that method. And I wouldn't say Frank and I have a method other than we're fit and we're, (laughs) you know, too stupid to give up and we'll eventually shoot something. But talking about more guys that are more conducive, you know, more, more professional elk hunters, you could say you're going to need to pick, do you want a backpack hunt? Do you want a car hunt? Do you want to go after that one bugle? You know, those are things you need to decide what you want to do and then perfect what you like and, yeah. and your style
1: yeah and, and choose the appropriate area for it
2: yeah definitely yeah we frank and i are not going to be hunting by the road hoping to outwork someone else we're, we're backpacking in and all of those things
1: come into play so. chrissy's going to be down there in my camper sleeping in and, yeah. and <laughs> killing <elk. laughs> hopefully oh. hopefully oh lord right all right on,
2: everybody man. thanks for tuning in